Yo, welcome to a, another episode of the Get Your Nerd On podcast with me, P90, and a special guest. So, let's do the catch-up, and then we'll do some other shit. I ain't gonna actually tell you how the structure is gonna go, because I don't know how the structure is gonna go, but let's get to it. My, oh my, do I have a wonderful episode for every single one of y'all. Like, this shit, this is a pretty, pretty, pretty good episode. If you thought I was gonna take a third week off, hell nah. I told y'all, maybe bi-weekly, if not weekly, but yeah, dog, I'm a man of my words. I So, anyway... Elden Ring came out this week, and guess who's been playing it? Nonstop, me, bro. This is just the game that I fucking needed. Like this game is so fun, bro. This game is—I don't know what it is about that game, about this game, but like, I'm enjoying it. I have not really bought a game and enjoyed every single second of it since I really don't even know like I know I bought got I bought Danganronpa I bought um I bought something else like Artful Escape was good but like I haven't enjoyed a triple A game that's my issue I haven't enjoyed a triple A game in a while maybe since Cyberpunk I can't think of what came after Cyberpunk that I bought oh the Halo campaign was really really enjoyable but like the other issue with that is well actually it was open world because my other thing was i was gonna say is me and open world games don't get along i fucking hate open world games right now i just feel like i'm overwhelmed but this game i don't something about this game just makes it cool something about elden ring is great and here's the kicker i played sekiro but like barely i don't think i played any of these these soulsborne like games enough to say i've played them so this is basically my real first souls game and there are people who are saying that this game is harder than um than other games other souls games that they played and stuff and in my opinion this game is easy as fuck like Pert for me, for me, this game is easy. But here's the thing: it also could be because there's a huge gap since I played these games. Like last time I played Sekiro was the day it released, and only for that week because it pissed me off. But like <clears throat> this game, well, you know what it also is. The other thing is, um, this game supports all your play styles. So any type of way that you might want to play, you can choose to play that way. I'm an aggressive person. Occasionally, I'll lean back, but I'm pretty aggressive when it comes to this. This game, there's ways to fight aggressively. If you want to fight range, there's ways to fight range. You may not want to be able to use the type of range that you want to use, like, say, magic. There's bosses that are super magic resistant. All of them you can use a weapon on, like a, a melee weapon on, but not all of them you can use magic on. But... Again, this is my first game. This game is difficult. Don't get me wrong, because I said it's easy for me. But this game's also, like, anybody could play this fucking game if they're willing to be okay with dying a couple times, learning the character. Like, 
dog, this this game is cake, bro. Oh my god. I'm surprised that I'm even this fucking good at it. I re this game deserves every 10 out of 10 that it got. But here's the ish here's the thing about reviews. People will play this, get pissed off that they can't beat the Tree Sentinel, which is you're not supposed to fight the Tree Sentinel the second you fucking see him, the gold thing on the horse for anybody who gets this game after this podcast. There's a dude in gold. And don't walk up to him and try and fucking fight him and get mad that you tried to fucking fight him and then delete the game. Don't fight him. Explore. Fight small enemies. Level your character up. Find better weapons. Come back and beat his ass. I looked at him and saw the gold armor and I said, nope. Where else can I go? Went to the church. Saved. Learned some other shit. Bro, when I tell you, this game is good. It's fucking good, okay? This game's really fucking good. I'm enjoying every single second of it. And I think everybody else will too. Now, um, it's it deserves 10 out of 10 because... For the people who like these games, this game is perfect. The open world's fantastic. Only thing that sucks is horse combat. Unless you're really good at horse combat in this game, then it doesn't suck. But if you're not good at getting the hang of this horse combat, it's it's not going to be fun. Especially because it feels so precise. Like It feels like it has to be played as a, a certain way. But anyway, um, game's great game's really fun the world is beautiful it's large it has so many things to see so many secrets so many different bosses that all feel so different there are some bosses that are copies but like there's lore reasons to that like there's the same wizard at all the eldritch eldritch uh, trees and it's you can tell it's because he's like a fucking tree wizard right like it's not no lazy shit it's like no 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 Everything in here is for a reason. I love that. It's creative. It's dope. The story is really cool because you get to see it through the lore. You get to see it through conversations. You get to learn why the world is the way it is because you talk to other people. And then all the quests. Everything just feels right in this game. It, you can watch somebody play this game. And you might want to play this game just to see if you get... Like, if your experience is the same way. And I'll tell you right now, it will not be. And that's another thing I love about this game. You could put six friends in a room, and no one is going the exact same way. Everyone on Twitter has been starting a different direction. Most people will find the church first, but it's so easy to veer off after that, that it's, like, it's just fucking dope, bro. Like, I know a lot of people who went south on their first try. I went all the way to um, northwest. I went northwest as hell. And a lot of my friends went south. A lot of my friends went north. Um, and then they branched off in the north. Like, it's just... This place is huge, bro. Like, I beat the first... I fought the first boss pretty early on into my career... And a lot of my friends didn't fight the first boss. A streamer that I watch, she didn't even know that the person she fought wasn't the first boss because they just felt like a boss. It, it was just really cool. Like, it's just really dope. They made this game so well to be able to see how different everybody's route can be. So, yeah, that is my 
non-review review of Elden Ring, and I highly, highly recommend everybody try it. If you're scared that you might try it and dislike it, um, here, first off, here's a couple tips. Go to GameStop. There are so many people who raged return. Get that game pre-owned. Give it a try yourself. And um, like I said, tip, do not fight the tree sentinel when you first spawn. Apparently, if you jump off, if all right, so if you're hooked up online, people leave these messages. And when you first start, there's a cliff and people tell you to jump. Apparently, if you jump into the fucking cliff, that's the tutorial. I didn't know there was a tutorial for this game because when I tried to play the first one of the first Dark Souls games, there was a dragon and I didn't have a weapon and it kicked my ass. And I genuinely thought that's how all these games play. Because I played that game like uh, years after it came out. But anyway, jump down there supposedly and you'll be able to see the tutorial. You won't lose anything, so don't worry. It's really early on in the game. So if you just die and respawn, it's okay. But try it. See what happens. Um, don't fight the tree sentinel. You can skip as many people as you need to skip until you feel comfortable nothing seems to lock in this game except for possible npc quests there's certain npcs that you'll just never get to see again supposedly but other than that if you do everything like you, there's nothing you can miss definitely check any of those places that you feel like are heavily guarded not just heavily populated but heavily guarded check them out there's probably a dungeon with a weapon somewhere and you should probably go in there and get that weapon. The we There's so many fucking weapons in this game. Armor is weird in this game to me. It's very scarce. It's not explained well or it's not explained at all. You just have to have like you just have to find think I found a hidden crab and the crab had armor. Like it it's stuff like that. But the armor that you do tend to run into can serve you for a very long time. Rolling is your friend, but don't spam it. Learn it. Just have fun. And um, if you think you really suck that bad, look up the video on how to get 50k, uh, 50k souls or runes in less than an hour. And use all the runes killing the... the 50k dragon i don't i have a favorite boss i'm not going to talk about it yet i'm going to wait until i actually get through the rest of the game i've beaten like five four main bosses up to the northwest. now i'm going to try and see if i can get all the bosses in the south if that's how this game works i'm still not sure how this game works and who the main boss is and shit but yeah so that's my elden ring run um Let's see, I got No Man's Land Volume 1, Omnibus, have not read it, I'm working on, I'm actually going to read my Batwoman Omnibus that I told you guys I got a while back, I'm going to try and write a Batwoman story myself, because I love writing stories about my favorite DC characters, so I'm going to write a Batwoman, Batwoman story, other than that. There's not been much. I've watched the Cuphead show. Didn't finish it, but 
I've watched a decent amount of it. That show's great. Absolutely fantastic. Everybody should go watch it. That shit is funny as hell. It's, it has a very wonderful cartoonish charm to it. I think anyone who's played Cuphead, who loves old school cartoons, will love it. The voice actors are fucking phenomenal. Um, it's, it's just a wonderful show. It's great. It's on Netflix right now. You can watch it. Season 2 got renewed for um, the summer. Um, happy I said that now because that's actually not in my notes. And uh, yeah, so that is the catch-up. And let's get on to the rest of the shit. So, um, I played Elden Ring for since its release, and oh man, I'm really, really loving this game. Like that game's fucking, fucking great. It rightfully so acquired that ten out of ten. Um, all I can say is, if it's not your type of game, of course I can understand why you wouldn't give it a ten out of ten. But if you are an open-minded gamer and you don't mind a challenge and you don't mind a game that feels like it is almost punishing you because in honesty it really isn't it's just making you learn how to play um better you know because you could literally go the entire game without taking damage if you just learn the mechanics and learn your 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 bosses well i wouldn't say without taking damage you'd have to die a couple times but you could beat it a lot easier than people make you think make it seem like you can. You just got to actually be willing to learn from the shit that's about to happen, like the dude who's about to slam that hammer on you right now. Um I love the messaging system in the game. Players are really funny and useful. Like some great some little little messages will actually point you to useful spots like um Lost Grace and some things will just tell you to finger butthole. Yes, finger the butthole. That's it's not what they're saying, but that's what they're saying. It's exactly what they're saying. They'll say someone will even lie and tell you there's a secret passage ahead. And it won't be ahead. But it might be ahead, so you have to check anyway. Because you never know. Because there are secret passages. There's a possibility for Game Pass to come to Steam Deck properly, as Steam said they're willing to work with Xbox to properly integrate it if they want. This would be driving the driving source for me personally. Games played on my handheld on my Xbox without much issue on top of having xCloud on my iPad and iPhone. Like, I just have literally Xbox in every known place. The only thing with that is, is, yeah, of course they would be okay with that. That just means Xbox would have to pay some sort of fee because they'd have to put it in their store on the Steam Deck. So if they put it in their proper, then it's going to have to go through the actual Steam store. They won't charge them per game, luckily, most likely, but they'll definitely charge them for the initial app going in there. And it's probably like a 25, 30% charge, I think it is. I'm not sure if they ever change those charges because there was a whole big thing going on about charges, prices, and stuff like that when it came to uh, those type of things. But, but. It would still be really cool. I mean, everyone, everyone's willing to do something for some for some money. PlayStation Five may get a further increased graphical upgrade and ray tracing department. A Sony patent mentions accelerated ray tracing. How much more beautiful can these games get? Like, you can really see the reflection of Spider-Man on a glass building when you're crawling up it. 
how much more crisp are they going to make it? Like, am I literally just going to start seeing doubles, which would actually be really, really good for, you know, I'm going to keep that thought to myself because I have an idea that would really utilize that accelerated ray tracing. Uh, Martha is Dead is a game that is coming out to PlayStation and Xbox and PC. I believe PC. Uh, but it's censored, but only on the PlayStation 5. I'm interested in this game. Uh, I would like to see why it's censored. I hear that the reason for the censoring is because it has to do with uh, dismemberment, dead children, or some things around those lines. I'm absolutely... I just I just want to play and see what the fuck it is. I also want to... Like, it looks like it might be good. I like dark things. I have played Agony. If you have not played Agony, go look at someone play Agony. It's a fucked up game. But it's really good for the game that it is. Anyway, the game that I'm making is like fucking insane. So of course I'm going to go play the insane game that's so insane it's getting censored on fucking PlayStation Speaking of agony, it randomly got taken out of users' accounts. Someone and the developers, uh, users' accounts, sorry. The developers are trying to give back free copies, but at the moment can only offer a 95% discount. If my game went missing and they offered me 95% off of the game to get it back, I'd actually fucking take that. Like, yeah, it's like, oh man, the game went missing. I should just have my game. Yes, you absolutely should. They acknowledge that they should but they can't give it back for free due to the way that the store is set up. So fuck it. Just take it at this super high fucking discount. It's like $299, $399. It's really fucking high. It's dog. I wouldn't even be angry at that point. I'll give you guys the extra 5% of the copy that I purchased. Atomic Heart is getting a release date this year within the last four months of the, four months of the year, which is funny because it's like, Alright guys, it's coming out in the er months, but this year. So it's like, if we can't get it out in October, then we'll try to aim for November. Or September, then October. October, then November. November doesn't work, we'll definitely have it in December. Promise you that much. Which is really cool. I'm hoping that it ends up being like the October part. Maybe the September part, because I don't know what's really coming out in the deep fall. And, you know, fall, is, video game fall is usually big. Although this year, a lot of things may be getting delayed and certain things aren't um, being fully announced. Like what I'm about to jump into in this next one. But yeah, anyway, Atomic Heart is still coming. Which led me to watch trailers for other games. Like I went back and watched the trailer for Hellblade 2. And oh my god, that game looks fucking wonderful. I absolutely cannot wait to play that. It is going to be a masterpiece. The first one was really, really, really fucking wonderful. And a masterpiece of its own in storytelling and acting for video games. Like, that game was nuts. But as well as that, I also rewatched the Redfall trailer. Which is still slated for this year. And what I was going to say was, I just read... An article that said Redfall is currently in the beta, so it could still possibly drop this month, which is very possible. We're only in month three, 
if it comes out at the end of the year and this game has been being developed for a decent amount of time, it's very possible to drop. But they better play it safe instead of sorry. Because although Xbox has been dropping gems now, they still have a little bit of kickback going on. Like with Halo right now. Although I st- to me, I still say it's season one. But as a podcaster for video games, I say they need to make sure that they step it up next season. I mean, we did get some information. We're still not getting the progression system. We are not getting co-op until probably mid-season two. It's steady on the way. They're keeping the... The good thing is they're keeping the communication. So we have something to hold them accountable to. But... There's a lot of things that we aren't getting just yet. We'll have to see. We're only getting two maps in big team and two map or one map in big team or two maps in big team and then two maps in uh, normal MP and Forge is still in the works. And that's the thing. Once, no matter what happens, I'm positive once co-op and Forge drops, um, Halo will be back to normal. Forge, co-op, and... um, Well, actually, it's going to be about four or five things. But no matter what happens, I'm I'm very positive once playlist drop, Forge drops, co-op drops, and the progression system drops, and maybe an updated rank system. Yes, those are a lot of five things. Those are big. Those are five huge things that should not have to be, be fixed. But, like I said, regardless of what's going on now, I'm sure once those five things drop, Halo will be played again. And I think everyone wants to play it. I think people are still going to play Season 2, regardless of what's going on, because they want to get that battle pass, because it's just a Halo game, and it's a good Halo game. It's just, it feels like for the casual people, there's nothing to work for. And then for the fans, there's just some bugs that's going on, like the desync thing. Um, but other than that, people want to play it. People are excited for Halo still. It's just they need something to go back for if they're not just going to play it just to play. And if they're not playing ranked that well or that much. So there is that. Um... Pokemon News. Gen 8 has been announced along with the game they will inhabit. Another open world game for us people who enjoyed uh, Arceus? Arceus. Arceus. Pokemon. The last one with the blue letters. We're getting another one. I'm pretty excited for it. Um... I am only going with the grass type. It's a grass cat. The fire one isn't cool. I usually go with fire. The water one didn't look that captivating. I'm going with the grass type. It's definitely grass type. Apparently, Amazon has been giving some gamers their Gran Turismo 7 copies early. Sadly, gamers will need an internet connection to fully play the game, which brings up a good point. And by internet connection, I mean you need the internet. you need the internet to play. And then their servers have to be like, yeah, you got the okay. So it's unplayable. But it brings up a good point. 
and I think they need to get rid of the forced connectivity to play thing. I understand. I can see right now how it works in a good capacity, like saying, oh, you can't play the game till it's time to play the game, and we don't want anyone playing the game early, even if you get your copy early. I get that part. But other than that, the whole need an internet connection so we can verify the CD and shit is just so counter gamer. It's absolutely insane. It just doesn't make any sense. Like, yes, most people have internet nowadays. But, like, still, bro. Why are you forcing people to use the internet to okay the game to play? Like, there was the, the thing when Xbox needed the internet. I don't know if they still do because, I again, I have internet. So, I don't have that issue. But, whenever my internet cuts out, I don't ever play a video game. Ever. Because can't get fucking achievements i can't i can't do anything in offline mode in any of my systems anyway um see i forgot my fucking train of thought we was talking about games and connectivities oh right so at one point xbox used to do this thing where it was like you would you have to be hooked up to the internet initially to set up the system just for the setup process then you can do, go offline mode after that but it's like, I don't, I shouldn't need to do that either. I should be able to just calibrate my system like an Xbox original. Turn it on, tell y'all what time the clock is, and boom. Now when I hook up to the internet, it can do all the big updates that it needs to do. But if I buy my child an Xbox and they just want to plug it up to the TV and just play the first game on the CD that they got, they should be able to do that. It's almost as dumb as having to download your games. Dude, if the game's on the CD, we should be able to just play it. Even if you're going to download it, fine. But I should be able to literally play the game. It's on the CD. We used to read CDs all the fucking time. All the time. (sighs) I don't know if I told you guys, but I got Batman No Man's Land. Batman Rise and Fall of the Batman. Batman No Man Road to No Man's Land. I also read Saga one. All right, you know what? Never mind. Let me let me let me let me keep going with this first. Apparently, Square Enix made a game called Babylon Falls, which came out on PC and PlayStation only, and was an online hack and slash RPG. And I'm not sure how I missed this game, which released on the third of March. Apparently, it has one of the lowest player peaks on Steam for their for Square Enix games. That's absolutely interestingly sad, but I think. One of the issues is marketing, because if I didn't see this game, and listen, it may have been marketed a shit ton, but for me to not have seen this game, to me, means a lot, especially because I look for games to see. Never even been introduced to the game. Even games I don't talk about on the podcast, I've seen them. I don't think I've ever talked about Falconeer. Maybe I did, but I've seen Falconeer all over the place. Yes, I'm an Xbox gamer, and it's an Xbox exclusive. Who the fuck cares? There's a couple Xbox exclusive games that I, like, the, the tiny ones. The, the 1A makers, or the C, the triple C makers. And I've never fucking heard about them until I walked in GameStop and seen that it had a case. Like, but still, this game, I'm very, very, very surprised I haven't heard about it. But yeah, it's uh, until now. 
but uh, apparently it's not that great of a game. I haven't played it myself, so don't take that as my opinion. Just take that as what I've been reading. Activision Blizzard claims that it's violation of a California law that requires the company to have at least three women on its board of directors by the end of 2021 is due to complications with its upcoming acquisition by Microsoft, despite having a three-year to comply. A quote from Rebecca Valentine from IGN, which is absolutely insane. They truly had three years and said, fuck women then decided to cry about it and blame their soon-to-be parent. That's not... Well, luckily, those people are going to get sweeped the fuck out. But that's not how you do things. Just hire the fucking women. You guys just want it to, to be disrespectful to women that bad that you didn't want to hire any women on your board of directors so you can keep disrespecting them in gaming? Insane. I don't understand how, oh, I'm sorry, I punched the damn mic. I don't understand how you don't just be like, okay, cool, we could, we could get that done. And then find three women who are passionate about what you need them to be passionate about. I, I just don't get it. And then you can't get upset when you're in trouble about it. And then blame Microsoft like, dog, y'all had three years. The talks was talking, but y'all still could have did it. I don't know, man. I think that was some bullshit. But anyway, next one. Um. It was, oh yeah, possibly a new Elite controller is coming, but it seems to just be an Elite Two, with a white paint and maybe black handles. You couldn't really see the picture well. It was like a leaked picture, and they know they weren't supposed to be taking the picture, but. This is a rumor, and supposedly we will be getting another Elite 2 controller. Different color. I will be buying it. I would like to have a white controllered one. I have my Halo one. I have my black one. I have my original Elite black one. And yeah, I'm fucking crazy like that. And I want it. I mean, come on now. Elite controllers. Everybody in this crib will be using Xbox Elite controllers. Oh, God, cat. And then, yeah. um, Fucking... PlayStation is having a state of play, and it's tomorrow at 5 p.m. Eastern. So, yeah, it's going to be 20 minutes. I don't know what to expect. I really don't, but uh, I'm going to watch it at work, and then we'll talk about it next podcast. But, yeah, that's it for the gaming stuff. I mean, other than Elden Ring's been great. I haven't played anything. Halo just dropped the Tactical Ops free event weekend. Um, and that is really just about it in the gaming stuff. I don't have anything else. I haven't played anything else. Elden Ring stole my fucking time. Uh, I got drunk over the weekend, so I didn't really do much. I saw Batman. There will be an interview. I mean, there will be a uh, review from the episode of Rant Random podcast of mine with me and a special guest um it'll be at the end of the podcast so yeah there's that so i guess we can go on to the next segment uh well before we start that segment gotham knights the open world bat family rpg action game from wb will finally launch october 25th they just tweeted that and yeah so 
Woohoo! Uh, hold up, hold up. Sorry, another breaking game thingy. Maybe if it's real, EA has a vast majority of established IPs. Blah 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 blah. blah, blah. According to new report, the overall performance of 2K games recently released. Oh, okay. So EA might be taking WWE. All right. It probably won't happen, but supposedly that's the uh, it's the rumor, the rumor. Okay, guys, on to the other shit, which is Twitter might be start might start adding a section that is strictly for podcasts. That would be a wonderful idea. I like it because people are already on Twitter, so if no one, if people would like to listen to my podcast. But don't, because, you know, it's kind of out of the way. Like, say they don't have Spotify, or they don't have Apple Podcasts, which that part is very, very unlikely. But for any reason, if they just want to sit on their Twitter app and they don't get out of that app, but maybe they'll listen to a podcast. There's a podcast button right there in the app. They can just click it and listen to the podcast while they scroll on Twitter. And then opening people up to new fans i think that would be a great idea i hope it's more like um i hope it's more like a a player than it is a creator but if it's a creator i hope it's also a player and by that i mean i hope that i can distribute to twitter the same way i distribute to spotify and other places through anchor that way all my stats can stay the same that's the big question and the big that's the big thing there um but yeah that's that'd actually be really cool twitter is doing a lot of shit to make people just stay on their app and i respect it as long as they do it right like twitter has this new community tab so i made a community specifically for comic books and voila got like 17 people in there now it's actually pretty cool. Maybe 18 people now. I'm trying to build an, a nice community strictly for comic books. A place that's like less toxic and shit, you know. Because some people are just fucking insane. And then some people are just slightly insane. But they grow up. So like it's okay to have them around. It's like damn yo, that take was horrible. But you're normally a, a, a decent person. So you can stay here. Opposed to damn that take was horrible and you're racist. Alright man. I get to block you because I'm the admin. So it's cool. Twitter keeps coming up with little ideas. It's, it's feeling like a little Discord. Plus, 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 plus. <laughs> um, Disney Plus is adding parental controls now that they have the Netflix Marvel shows coming to their website. This means we may possibly be able to see the future shows in the same light as before. Being a hard PG-13, that is. So hopefully they don't dumb down everything too much because we know they're probably gonna dumb it down because it's disney they like to destroy stuff but hopefully we still get the same level of punisher get the same level of um what's that dude's name daredevil jessica jones like that's some those are some dark motherfuckers and i love that shit which means if they could do that that means the wolverine show that's in development 
the script that has gotten rewritten. Um, it's in the editing process. I would like them to do the same thing. See, although I don't see Wolverine as dark, I just see him as brutal. So, you know, when he gets on his rage, let him slice motherfuckers up. Let him smoke that cigar. I know you guys won't let him smoke the cigar ever again. But still, this is Wolverine. He's the GOAT. The violent GOAT. I Am Legend. I Am Legend sequel supposedly happening with Michael B. Jordan and Will Smith. Um, I feel like that's long overdue. But at the same time, I don't really care. I'm going to watch it. Because I grew up with I Am Legend. But I don't really care too much. But that also means they're going with uh, the alternate ending. Not the original ending, I believe. Because uh, that means he's alive. And I wonder, wonder who the fuck Michael B. Jordan's going to be playing. This is going to be very interesting to see what the fuck's going on here. So I'm going to watch it. But I'm not hyped about it. God of War TV series is in the works. Sony doubling down on their game on turning their games into shows. I got nothing much to say about that. Um, I don't know if I'm going to pay much attention to the Sony cinematic uh, entertainment shit. I I'm not too interested. I mean, if it's really good, I'll watch it. Just like Last of Us, the game is literally. It's own fucking film. But if people say it's really, really good and they're not fanboys, I'll watch it. I'll check it out. I'll probably check it out just to tell y'all how I feel about it. But I, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Apple event happened and they didn't really announce too much stuff, but they announced some cool upgrades to a lot of things. They have a new green for the iPhone 13, 13 Pro, which is actually really nice looking. It's, it's starting to convince me more and more to get it. A uh, new iPhone SE announced with the A15 Bionic. It is $429. New iMovie update for iPad next month announced with the upgrade to iPad Air, which now has an M1 chip and an upgraded C port. Now, the iMovie thing is going to be interesting to see because iMovie fucking sucks on the phone and the iPad. Like, it's just nothing you could do except for the trailer. The trailer thing is set up really, really cool, but that's it. Everything else is, like, super fucking mid. So I wonder if they gave us more tools and shit. And then there's Mac Studio. Yes. Mac Studio. I am very, very tempted. Like, I'm not going to buy it unless you, you know, this shit takes the fuck off. And I can do whatever the fuck I want um, <laughs> with it. But anyway. Mac Studio with an M1 Max and an M1 Ultra delivers unprecedented performances and extensive connectivity in incredibly in in a incredibly compact design. Sorry, motherfucker, I can't read. <laughs> um, and also there's a studio display. Uh, but anyway, the Mac Studio just looks like a fucking beast of a of a thing. I just, I just want it, bro. I really do. I like powerful things. And I like expensive things. 
yes, they're very expensive. I believe the studio starts at $2,000. And then I believe the display is like $14. i will go grab the actual prices right now from their website. I was taking a shower when this happened, so I never went back for the for the information. Um, that was mainly from fucking muscle memory. Yeah, $2,000 for the Mac Studio. Base price, at least. And then, okay, so if I save $166 for 12 months, I could get, okay, you know, you know, if I do that, maybe I can get it. I can get it next year when they have a new one. And then it is $1,599 for the studio display, 27-inch 5K retina display, 12MP ultra-wide camera with center stage, studio quality mics built in, six speaker surround system, the perfect Mac partner. Take a look at the studio display. That's what they have written on their app. The iPhone SE, super powerful chip, super power camera, fast 5G connection. Yeah, that's that's really it. Um, I mean, we all know they're not going to show phones until later, so there's that. Uh, yeah, so the only other things I got left is Charlie Cox says he will continue playing Daredevil even after No Way Home for anyone who was still fucking confused. I don't know why anyone was confused about that. Also, Daredevil season four is in the works and it would just be a time skip. It's the same thing. It's just a time skip to make up for the MCU universe because technically that shit was already connected. It was just super loosely connected. But we'll see what happens. We'll see how connected it is. We'll see if Karen Page ends up dying off this season. <laughs> yeah. Um, see, if that rumor is true about the Wolverine Disney Plus series being in the rewriting process, I'm wondering if they'll use it to bring in more mutants or if they'll start giving us Wolverine fam because so much of us want Laura and I want Gabby, and I want Dakin, and I just want a bunch of Wolverines running around, slicing shit up, and being funny, and being family, it'd be really cool, and then season three, or two, or three, depending on if they do introduce them, all right, so, like, they could do this, and they can introduce Laura, like, at the end of it, and then that could be a thing, and then season two can be something, like, I'm gonna rush it, and then season three, we can have a Wolverine family show, which would be fucking cool, if you ask me. I think it'd be cool. It'd be really cool. Servant is getting bonkers. Like, that shit's getting fucking nuts. As the Turners realize they really can't let Leanne go if they want to keep the child, because every time they send her away, that bitch takes the soul out of the child, and that child turns to a fucking baby. That's like, I mean, a baby doll. That shit crazy. She's using them, and they really can't win. She also made friends with the homeless people in the park after a cult tried to kill her by chasing her through the Turner's house and um, chased her into the park, which is where the homeless people ended up killing the, per- the the two cultist people who were sent to kill Leanne. Yeah, this show's getting crazy. There's no answers, but I'm loving it. And Dorothy almost found the dead body inside the walls, but she didn't because she was looking for Jericho because Leanne was, like, making Jericho cry in everyone's head. Fucking insane. Julian's fucking nuts, bro. Julian's fucking crazy, bro. He, like, was calling his girlfriend a crackhead whore and shit. Said she used to sick du- suck dick for Sudafed. Dog, this show funny. This show crazy. If you have Apple TV+, Plus, 
go watch Servant by M. Night Shyamalan. M. Night the Goat. Um, yeah, that's that's that is all I've got to say about Servant. I haven't been taking my Servant notes like I usually do, but yeah, there's that. Um, comic books. So let's see. We over the over time, I read a couple things. I mostly read Batman Knoll again, which was really, really good. Like, it really captures Batman when he's being hard-headed motherfucker, and then it captures Batman when he realizes the effect he has on people. Because at the beginning of the story, he uses this man who literally is just trying to get by. He's only working with the Joker because he has nothing left. He doesn't even like the Joker. He just needed some money. He just needed to pay his bills. And so, he works with the Joker. Batman tracks him down, puts a tracker on him, and like doesn't kick his ass. But he scares the shit out of him. And then he calls him scum while he's in the Batman, in the Batcave and shit. But then later on... After going through, like, a near-death experience and finding out exactly how old he is and how how he's affecting everyone else the way he's working now. After catching the Joker right before he was, um, he attempted to kill that guy's son and him, Batman stops the Joker and then pays for the window that he broke. Gives the man a real Christmas tree because his son made a Christmas tree out of a fucking can. Gives the man a raise, a 401k, and PTO. Like, Bruce Wayne kicked in and was just like, yeah, I gotta remember who I am. I gotta remember who these people are. And it's really cool because, like, he gets visited by three ghosts, but the three ghosts aren't really three ghosts unless they were in his head. It's It's kind of up in the air, but I believe it really did happen. But um, he gets visited by Gordon. Gordon kind of says some things to him. Then he's get visited by Selina, and him and Selina go for a wild chase. And then he gets visited by Superman, and Superman kind of humbles him a little bit, tries to remind him, even if he doesn't sound like he re- he's remembering. And then, um, well, actually, Gordon wasn't a visit. Gordon was a start. He got visited by Selina, and then... um. Superman and then comes Joker and Joker is his own sort of visit some say Joker wasn't actually there but it's just really cool how it how it was written I think it's pronounced Noel it's N-O-E with the two dots above it and then L uh fucking great story really really enjoyed it I'm currently moving on to Road to No Man's Land and I have been reading like uh, X-Men stuff, like, I read X-Men 9, and to my memory, it was really a story about preparation of possibly going to war, or voting against the war, while the machine people went to go recruit Nimrod, I mean, not Nimrod, uh, Modoc which honestly could spell doom for the X-Men because MODOK created something and the machines want their hands on it. And if the machines want their hands on it, then oof, 
ain't nothing good about that. We do get this cool scene with Rogue and uh, Gambit who meet with Destiny, and it's just a really funny scene of fighting. They were just trying to get some information and ended up fighting in Destiny and uh, Gambit over here technically arguing, and it's just fucking hilarious. Like, it's really funny. And then Psych, um, Rogue, like, suplexes someone on the roof. <laughs> it's, it's just really fucking hilarious. And then, on top of that, um, I believe it was Red Root. Something happened to Red Root, and I think they might be doing a rescue mission. That was a horrible explanation of this issue, but I didn't take notes. I kind of just read it because it was really good. But anyway, it's fucking good. Read X-Men 9. It was actually a really good issue. It's not what I'm thinking I'm getting from X-Men, but I see what they're doing. X-Men is just to flesh out the other portions, which, I mean, it's okay, but I don't get to see any of the X-Men that I voted for, like, I want more Laura. I want her to flesh out the relationships with the people in her team. I want more Polaris. I want there's I want these people. Bring them back. Let them be on the center stage. Y'all could literally just make like a different book. Just call it fucking X. And X is just things that advance the plot directly. Like this is direct plot advancement. And then just give us X-Men where we actually see the x-men team i don't know that's just me that's actually a horrible idea probably but i just feel like there's so much stuff that they're since they're giving us so much people and so much mutants i want to be able to read as many of the mutants as i can uh i've been reading shadow of the bat now that that is probably my best my favorite fucking batman story in recent times. Oh my god. Shadow of the Bat is fucking fire right there. Right. 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 Ooh. Oh man. Ooh. Shadow of the Bat is great. The new Arkham Tower gets fucking taken over by the inmates. Because Psycho Pirate was the one who was fucking controlling everybody. And making it seem like they were actually curing the villains and immensely ill of Gotham City. And... Fucking Psycho Power Pirate ends up passing out. Can't control them anymore. Fucking tower goes downhill. Motherfuckers done killed one of the, the warden people. Dog. That shit. The director. Dog. That shit is just going insane. I'll do a, a really a better coverage of it once the story finishes. But oh my god. If you're not reading Shadow of the Bat, read Shadow of the Bat. But yeah, that's it. I'm going to read Road to No Man's Land. We'll talk about that every now and then. I did read Saga Volume uh, volume 1 hardcover edition. Fucking good story. Really good story. Lots of nudity. I love the nudity and shit. I love when people put nudity in their work. It's fucking great. I look at it as, as beautiful, colorful art. And it's fucking dope in there. And then there's sex. And I just love the idea of sex. So, fucking Saga. If you just like people who are artistically free and also write a good fucking story about two couples having to run away because they're from fucking two different let's say tribes that fucking hate each other's guts and they should not be together dog that story's fucking great the action is dope yo right at the end shit was getting real so yeah um 
check out Saga. It actually just got back from its long hiatus, apparently. So, fuck with it. Shit's fire. Beautiful ass story. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful ass story. And yeah, that is all there is. Now, if you want to stick around because you haven't yet heard the Batman review on Rant Random, it's coming on right now. Peace. Alright guys, welcome to a very special segment with your favorite, P90, and also your other favorite, Rob. He's here. Hello, I'm back. Because we just seen the Batman and we're about to give you like 15-ish minutes of a non-spoilerly review and then after that, it's fucking locked and loaded and we're going full spoiler territory. So we're going to start with our genuine, uh, general consensus and opinions about the movie, and we'll take it from there. Don't mind the kids outside. Alright. Um, I can hear kids yelling. Yeah, no, that's why I turned around. Uh, you, well, you're drinking, so I'll start. Um, love the movie. movie was really, really good. I personally give it a five stars, and it is currently... My favorite superhero movie at the moment. There, it was shot beautifully. There was so much emotion in it. There would like, it's hard to say certain things without spoiling it. But loved every second. Like, there's literally nothing too horrible or bad about that movie. Everything is very good. Um, the director did a fucking fantastic job. All the actors acted their ass off. Like they knew that this story would be important to us and to themselves and they just gave that shit their all like it was wonderful so many easter eggs too it's just a the, the movie's just fucking good bro the movie's just fucking good I was if it wasn't for the fact that the theater was full of people I would've been jumping out the fucking seat there's, there's one scene on the highway that's all I'm gonna say and the guy wanted to jump out the seat just fucking jump at every fucking five seconds cause it was just so damn raw bro like that shit was awesome. Anything from you? Oh, it was fucking awful. No, I'm like, um, no, I, I think, yeah, I'm saying, uh, nine out of ten. I'm, I'm, I'm not giving a ten out of ten just because, like, I do have some issues with the movie, and I think I, I don't see myself ever calling a movie ten out of ten, um, because that means I, I left the movie with absolutely like nothing negative to say mm. um granted the things i do the negative aspects of this movie i do have to say are somewhat also personal so to speak i guess um i love long movies uh and thank god i didn't have to piss and, and run out of this one I'm surprised um and i actually i had a feeling uh last like maybe like 20 30 minutes and i was just like nah we're, we're holding this one in um but yeah, so in this this movie was three hours long, or just shy of three hours long, and and it doesn't feel that long. But there, there's pockets of the movie where I was just like, kind of nodding off. But I also think that's also just like due to personal. Like I, I traveled down, so we know Lamb's in Florida now, and I, I flew down and been here for thirty six hours, um, and uh, so I was a bit tired from that, and. Um, but the, the only, the, the times where I was falling asleep in the movie, it was just like where he was doing his detective work. But other than that, like the, I think the action scenes were really good. They're not too choppy. 
Um, there's there's not necessarily like a long shot of the action uh, or, or sequence rather, but there are. It's not super choppy where every every two punches like it, it's a cut to a different angle. Um, I've been watching a lot of like behind this not behind the scenes, but like I guess you can say like uh, behind the scenes and tutorials of like how to direct and mm-hmm. um, and like what makes a good action scene an action scene. Um, uh, cars phenomenal. Uh, I want that in my garage yeah. yesterday, and um, yeah, no, good movie. So that without kind of going depth and, and breaking it down, but beautifully shot. Matt Reeves does a really good job. I knew once they uh, they announced him, and then especially after watching the Planet of the Eight movies, like I knew it was going to be good. So yeah, no complaints. And the score, as you can possibly hear in the background, fucking. Perfect. Every single bit of music that you heard throughout that movie was fitting. Yeah, halfway through, I don't know if I said anything to you halfway through it, but I was like, "Yo, this this kind of bumps." And then, but definitely at the end, yeah, I, I was like, "Yo, the soundtrack's fire." Absolutely, fucking is a masterpiece of music. Okay, it, it complements the movie so well. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, like it's a, like you can tell because it it wasn't. There, there were. I think there was only really two songs that play that like legit songs. One being a Nirvana song, the other mm-hmm. one I, I don't know what it was. Can't remember. But the the music that was composed to the movie really accented the the movie well naturally as well because you know horror movies That's when, what they, I was where they like say. amp it to like the horror and whatnot. It doesn't do it. That this way. this like it was very subtle and it was just super fitting. Like, you may hear some music, but you, it doesn't crescendo, and, like, you don't know when Batman's going to pop out. You just know, yeah. oh, this is Batman's intro theme. Yeah. When is he going to intro? Yeah. And I like how they played with that. Um, actually, I'll save that for the next one because it's going to spoil her. So that's every, anything less. No, so no, just, no. Just no. I'd, I'd say, yeah, dude, I'd, I'd say let's jump right into it. Yeah, so anything after this is spoiler. That's on your ass. Don't get mad at me. All right, the spoiler section. Um, the Joker's in it. <laughs> I mean, it's not wrong. <laughs> the most spoiler thing. I just I try to think of whatever's the most spoiler thing I could say. We might be jumping around a little bit. Everyone dies. <laughs> shit, a lot of people technically should have been dead. Don't yeah. know if they had mentioned how many people he killed, but people were dead. Not Batman, um, the Riddler, which is the main villain. Um, so yeah, we might be jumping around. This might have some more to it, but it's definitely gonna, gonna be jumping. Absolutely, be jumping around. Do you, um, how do you want to tackle this in the sense? Do you want to do, um, do you want to do like suit plot, or do you just want to, or do you just want to go off the riff and like just just go at yeah, it? Yeah, let's, let's just, just go, go at, at it. it. Okay. Anything that comes to mind. Okay, so we'll do it that way. Um, mm. So if you don't mind, I'm gonna start off with this. Yeah, go ahead. And sorry if uh, if you. Uh, if listeners hear me slurping, I'm, I'm having a little cocktail, making me loose up and make it a little more passionate for this. Uh, it's been a while, so um, my so again, I would honestly say that the two biggest problems I have, and it might I might add another one or two while talking, but uh, I would say the 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 temp actually it's not even the tempo. They just again the. The, the tempo of the whole movie was, was very good. It wasn't super action-y to, like, boring detective stuff. Like, it was, it was very, con, uh, not concise, um, uh, constant. constant, yeah, sure, let's go with that. So, um, 
It had it had really good tempo and everything. I, my problem is just that some of the detective work, like there wasn't a lot of. It just it wasn't gripping me out again. But it could very well. I, that's why I want to see it a second time. Um, maybe because I was personally tired. But the the number one issue I do have is how overpowered his suit was mm. uh, with the the bulletproof. So like I'm okay with him being bulletproof, getting shot at. Um, I know I think Batflack. Um, when Batman or Superman got shot at a couple times, he, like, blocked it with his arm, and, and that's okay. Um, but, like, this one, like, he was literally, like, surrounded by machine guns. He got a shotgun to the chest, like... What not, if his arm is actually made out of gun? Well, that's just metal. It's, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, you can shoot through guns, like, uh, so... With that shotgun. So, uh, obviously, if you're listening at this point, you definitely should saw the movie. But uh, the last action piece where he gets shot with a, uh, a shotgun, like, point blank, essentially. And, which, they did a good job of, like, him kind of being wounded. I wish, but my, my biggest grief with that is, like, he got shot. He fell off the, the, the platform and he was holding on. Like, dude, I don't care who you are, like... If he, if this is, and Matt Tone, uh, Matt, um, who the fuck's the director? Uh, Reeves. Uh, he said that it's, it's a little more realistic. Uh, so we know Bruce Wayne doesn't have superpowers and everything, and, and he's not buffing this, which I did like. I like his physique in this. Like, it was, it was fit. He wasn't super, like, Marvel, like, you know, this is a blockbuster movie, let's, let's get him jacked. Like, he was fit um, for, for what he is, and I, I think that was very fitting. Um, but I don't think like, you know, I think they should have shot that and we talked about this I think they should have shot a little differently where he got shot Maybe if he fell off a platform landed on something else uh, And was like just super winded like grabbing his ribs like kind of the scene where um, in Justice League when Batman got thrown against the, the cop car mm -hmm. and he's kind of like groaning He's like, oh, I definitely broke a rib or something like that and then Catwoman comes in to save him at the last moment I, I think the choice was more of an artistic thing because I'm sure he thought about that himself. I mean, the, the, uh, it, with everything he did in this movie, I'm sure he looked at that and thought about it, but I think what he wanted, it, the, how I interpreted that, is he wanted to make it seem like Batman was attempting to be the superhero, the I can beat everything that we know, but they gave him a super longer struggle, a longer struggle, but I think they wanted to use it to emphasis the dude getting the gun. He's really about to have the upper hand on Batman. Like, yeah, I mean, it definitely makes it kind of seem where it's just like you know he shot a lot, but then like you know Catwoman was gonna it's either Catwoman or or, or uh, Gordon, was or Gordon which did Gordon Gordon got up there at some point, right? Yeah, he Didn't got, he? Yeah. Is that right? Because he asked how you get up there first, and the then fire. Catwoman was like. But she decided to up. climb. Yeah, so. she climbed up, and I was like, did Gordon... I, I forgot that he got up there. You know, now that I'm kind of thinking about it a little bit as well, I think... Because um, the whole... The beginning half of the movie up until the end, right, he realizes, like, he, he, he says that he's using the fear um, as the tool. And they actually do a really good job in this movie of using that fear, right? Like, the, the low... The, the the nobody criminals kind of like the petty criminals are scared of him they look in the dark and whatnot and they think that he's in there mm -hmm. um, and I think that that actually does the the bulletproofness adds to that fear because if you're shooting at him right and he's just walking at you like I think there's one point where, where uh, he's trying to get Falcone uh, and he's like walking in the hallway just getting shot at and like nothing's happening like I think that does add fear to the henchmen um 
So it's it's a catch twenty two. I, I think it just seemed a little too overpowered, but I'll let it I mean, I'll let it slide, so to speak. The overpowered, yes. It's just that scene, I feel like I could just argue the only reason he was even able to hang on was for the process of dramatics. Yeah. I feel like if he if this was a in real life, even he would admit, nah, Batman would hold on for like three seconds and slip because like that shit fucked up his wrist when yeah. he went down there and whatnot. But I did it because I wanted to show you guys this one dude, how he, like, to him, maybe it felt slowed down. The other dude, he was like, yeah, I got Batman in a pinch. I'm going to load up the shotgun. Like, he got to remember he had it. And I think it was just that, just for dramatics. Otherwise, I totally understand where you're coming from. Like, yeah, even Batman should have fucking fell. Um, or something, it could have been a different way if yeah. that isn't what he was going for. Um, but on the fear note, I really, really loved how they used the dark like I, what I was going to say earlier when I said I'll wait for this was um he there was a lot of dark spots like mm-hmm. when, when they first were showing us about the dark things before he went to go uh, fight the white mask um the white painted kids um we'll call them the jokers yeah cause honestly it might be influenced by him but uh hmm? oh, okay I thought you were about to say that nope. the, so when he went to go fight the jokers um they were sh- before that they just showed a bunch of dark corners where everybody thought he could have been and like in this movie when he pulls up they show you a lot of, a couple dark corners so like you don't know where he's coming out of and that's how i love about it that's why like on top of the non-crescendoing music fills parts you also don't know which one of these dark corners that we can see him from is coming like when the dude had the uh, bomb around his neck and batman came through the further hallway i thought batman was gonna pop up in the back because yeah. there was a lot of shadows all over yeah, the place yeah. that he could have used. And I loved how they did that, not just, like, giving us a, oh, you know Batman's going to come up this specific way in some amount of time. No, no, no. You don't know where he's coming. We know Batman infiltrates from the top. We know he can come out the sides. Like, there's just so many things. I And they did get me in the beginning because when they kept showing the corners, I thought they were going to do kind of like a small montage. That's what I thought, Of too. once he appears, they're going to cut to the other situations of him, like, you know, uh, stopping those crimes. Um, but then I like that they didn't. I, that's the whole point, right, is what he's saying. That he can't be in every That everyone thinks that, you know, that he's lurking in the shadows, that they're afraid, and then they run away. Um, and then I love how every time he, like, appears from the dark, like, it's a very sheriff, um, sheriff-esque, like, cowboy... Like you, you, you hear his boot on the ground, and there's like a little bit of uh, metal and like leather of kind of that, that cowboy esque, you know. And and I think that puts a little more fear, at least from the 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 watcher. It 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 kind of like pumps you up, like oh shit, mm-hmm. like like shit. Even I'm shook. Like I actually, I never really thought about it, but like watching this movie. I started to realize, yeah, even I'm fucking shook as Batman's popping up on the screen because of the clanking of the boots. Yeah, the way it's it's because it's, so it, it's like a, it's like almost like a horror movie, like when mm-hmm. when they're hiding in like the cupboard or or, or the, the the closet, and you hear like the footsteps outside, right? And because you know, typically in a horror movie, when they're in the closet, they're showing like the person hiding and they're like covering their mouth or something, and you just hear like the footsteps outside, and you don't really know what like the killer's doing, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. like. The footsteps like stop, and then like that's when like the the action or horror starts. And I thought it was really cool when Batman like was just coming from the darkness, like it's and because it was kind of at first like you don't 
hear him. You don't see him, but you hear him. So it's like, is he really there or is yeah. he really not? So, yeah, they did a really good job, job on that. Um, And then also about, like, when the killer stops thing. When Batman stops, I, it was also cool because um, he didn't really throw the first punch necessarily. He gave them, like, a tiny opportunity yeah, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't attack him. He was just like, it's either disperse yep. or shit about to get real. And the second they choose shit about to get real, that's shit when he go off, got bro. real. Oh my god, the fighting in that movie was at, sorry. So some people say that they wanted more fighting. Some people say that they wish it was longer, or something like that. But I think that the fighting was divided up really good between the detective aspect and just the chatting. I think. Like, yeah. It, it was just good beats of when yeah, to fight. Yeah, because at the end of the day, like, this was a noir detective film with action in it, right? It wasn't it wasn't an action movie with aspects of him being uh, a detective. Like, this Batman is a detective who fights crime, and that's mm-hmm. exactly what this was. It's him solving a crime and having to fight crime in order to solve the, the mystery, so to speak. Um like in the the when you compare it to like the Christopher Nolan's yeah he was using his tools to be a detective took a bullet stuff like that but it wasn't really like it wasn't really like a mystery or anything for, to figure out mm-hmm. it was just trying to figure out like you know what what the villain is up to and but not solving crimes so to speak um, and um, and also he knew exactly who he was dealing with like well I mean he didn't really know who he was dealing with but he had a better sense of the Joker than he did of the Riddler. Like, in this, they really hint, hit at the fact that he's never dealt with the Riddler before. Well, that, yeah, because that, yeah, it's, it's brand new. Well, in Christopher Nolan's, he never... Uh, no, he never dealt with him. I'm saying, yeah. like, he didn't, but they didn't... It wasn't really hitting at that fact. It was just more like, I'm just, I just want to get this guy. Yeah, okay, this yeah. This is more like, yeah. who, it, like, who the fuck is... Is this dude? Yeah. And how is he so many steps ahead of me and doing yeah. all this stuff? And the other one, it was, just, it was a goose chase, and this is just not saying anything bad. It's just the Joker one was more of a, a goosey chase. Type well, the of Joker, thing. the Joker one was really like you know, here I am, come get me. Yeah, like. Meanwhile, the the Riddler was very like kept his arm length away. Was just like not really like oh here i am it was just so calculated yeah that it's completely different how they approached um batman fighting his, his villain. yeah but oh, bro i just loved everything about the riddler like so I, I made a tweet and i was saying um because some people didn't like the riddler because of the fact that he was like they just that's not my riddler because of the costume and shit right so in my what i said was um, here's the thing. The Riddler, as a comic book character, is perfectly made for the comic book. Like, that is perfect for the comic book and Agreed. the comic book only. When it comes to doing the movie version, unless you want to do the campy, silly Riddler, even though he can get serious, um, you got, you got to do it in a movie that's not as serious as this. Otherwise, any other edition of him needs to be, like its own you know like that's what they did they took the riddler they made it they made him um their own version of him while still keeping everything that needed to be kept like he still did the riddles he still was uh trying to outsmart batman this entire time although he came out and he was like oh i thought you were smart 
but then that little narcissist came in when Batman didn't get the final riddle. I think uh, I think what's, what this film did really well is that all the characters were inspired by, not based on. Mm-hmm. Like the Riddler, like the valid point. What you're saying is that like the Riddler in the comics it works great because of the comics, right? Like certain aspects of villains and superheroes work phenomenal on paper because comics is so fictional. When you try to put it on like the the Marvel movies in the beginning, when like with Iron Man at least, right? Mm-hmm. It's like even though it's fictional of an Iron Man suit and like what he's capable of doing, like it was realistic in a sense right and then up until they kind of created like the tesseract and like all these kind of like new elements and like thor and the third world like not third world but like a a new kind of world so to speak like that's when you're able to be more based on instead of inspired by Mm -hmm. whereas like this when you're trying to keep a little more real you can't you can't just take it from the paper onto the screen you have to be inspired by uh, and especially, like, uh, honestly, like, this is who the... If you take a lot of the, I think, characters from the Batman, at the end of the day, they are just serial killers in... I don't know, I'm trying to think of, like, how many people don't have powers, which is really... In Batman? Yeah, like, villain-wise, like... A lot. Riddler. Riddler has no powers. Joker has no powers. Freeze has no powers. He but, has but, technology. Right. And but all right. So then, I would say let's see this. Poison who, Ivy has powers. Who has? Who's there? Who uh, is realistically a villain? Like the Joker. One can argue that he kind of has superpowers because in the comics, like he's just able to do things that are kind of not humanly possible. Um, the Riddler, I can give that he's a normal human being. Freeze, he has the suit, right? And then he has to be cold, whatever. Uh, Bane is, uh, depending on the depiction of it, right? It's It could just be steroids, so, uh, like, you know, and... AKA Venom for you comic people and, are gonna try and kill me knowing that I fucking run a comic podcast in, yes it's Venom in the Dark Knight series like they made it realistic it's just a big guy right mm-hmm. um, and they didn't really include the Venom but like the mask was so to speak to him keeping the pain away um, um, I think they should have I think if the director is creative enough they could have there's, there's a work. way to there's a way to do it right so I, I, I think he genuinely just didn't want to do it but it could are we talking about then or now um, then got it I think like I think it could have been done. They just didn't. Want I think I think it probably could have been done, but it would take away from the story. It, it just it's the it's, story, a, yes. it's another aspect that you would have to include. And you need to have to sum back. Like it, how weird would it be if Venom all of a sudden? I mean, uh, if Bane all of a sudden just like fucking stabbed himself and like got bigger, right? Like yeah. the well, point the, the point is, of that Bane was that he was just physically uh, a massive person. Well, I mean, not specifically the him getting bigger because of the venom just the idea of venom and it giving him strength yeah you don't have to do the yeah. whole getting which turning we, hulk and shit. right which we talked about in this one how uh well all right let me go back uh riddler this movie great great interpretation of it um and and because riddler at the end of the day is just a psychopathic serial killer and yeah. and this is what it is it's it's a guy who had a lot of time to himself, 
and was mad at the world and was like he didn't feel like he was seen and he was like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna hurt the people who hurt me so to speak and just creatively planned this and that and 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 did did a great job I um. I sorry, sorry to cut you off. What about no, it? Say, you you made a really good point that uh, the film did a really good job showing he's crazy, but then when he was captured, showing the insanity because mm-hmm. insanity and crazy are two different things, Absolutely. right? Um, which yeah, and because when he started singing this and that, and you can really show how mentally disturbed this individual was. Yep, it just went from a guy who Batman just saw as doing some fucked up shit and needs to be stopped to. Oh damn! This nigga needs some help. Yeah, and I love that. Um, on top of that, I also love how they played on uh, Batman's. Do you think you said this in the first take? You mentioned it in the first take at least, but how Batman's vengeance. Mm-hmm. They played on Batman being um, the influence in this city, or oh no, the dude one of the videos we was talking about that we watched. He had talked about. Um, he was talking about the Vengeance thing, how yeah. one of the Riddlers was like, I am Vengeance, when he asked him who are, or he said something. No, no, it was um, at the end of the final sequence, the guy who shot him with the shotgun, yeah, he yeah. was like, who are you? And he's like, I'm Vengeance. Yeah. And so, that's when he realizes that the, the Vengeance isn't what the, the symbol it, of Batman should, should be. Yeah. yeah, and I love how they also played on that in a sense of, everything might be happening because of you, Batman. People see you running around, so it's a possibility that... That's why they're coming out of the woodwork. What movie was it? I think it was Christopher Nolan. Uh, was it Christopher Nolan or was it Spider Man or something? Where I think it was the Spider Man movie where they were like, because he showed up, then the villain showed up. Mm-hmm. There, there, there's literally I don't, I don't maybe it's no, it also might have been Christopher Nolan. It could have been Christopher Nolan, or um, or maybe I mean it could have been The Dark Knight Rises, where they're Batman. saying like, "Look, ba- the Batman shows up, and all of a sudden, all these freaks and, and was, criminals I think that are." Was during Bane, because basically they got invaded by Bane. Yeah. And I think they were. Um, I think some. Because the... Bane was more of a militia type, opposed to the Joker being like uh, a, a psychopath. And... Yeah, who was also yeah. in Gotham the entire time. Yeah. Basically. Uh, but. That, and they also say it in the comics a lot. They always try and say Batman is the reason all the crazies come out because he put on a mask and yeah. his, now everyone else is putting on a mask. And but, I like how they kind of uh, played with that, but they did it lightly. But that's just like real life, though. When, like, if if you have uh, your thought or mentality, right, mm-hmm. that you think, but you're not strong enough to act upon it, right? You think something should be like this, but you're you're not brave enough to, to come up on it, and then all of a sudden this voice comes like that, that's essentially what poli- politicians are, right? Mm-hmm. If you're like, hey man, I hate I hate politician A and politician B, it should really be this way, and all of a sudden politician C shows up, has the same views as you, and then now you get supportive, you go out, you uh, rally behind them, you support them, this and that, right? Which is the exact same thing of what these. Uh, uh, like the, the, yeah, like the the argument of oh, okay, well, if this nutcase who could dress up as a bat has the the strength, and and this movie I've been touched that 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 like he inspired um, uh, the Riddler, and one of the guys that we watched before uh, shooting this podcast, he mentioned like the masks are pretty similar, and like in the movie he said like my mask is my identity, and that's the whole thing about Batman, right? Like mm-hmm. the Batman's mask is his identity, so. Um. 
Actually, yeah, because in the the jet in the Arkham scene, he kept trying to compare himself to Batman. Yeah. Anyway. He was like, "Me and you are the same." Yeah. Blah, we, blah, blah, yeah. Blah. And it's just like, I love how they're doing it without straight up telling you, "Yeah, Batman is the cause of this." Because yeah. to us, we're not supposed to, we're supposed to see Batman as a superhero. I mean, in the sense that he's a good guy. Yeah, we don't blame Batman for the rise of villains. We just look at Batman as someone who's saving us from those villains. And so that's why I like the whole thing of um, them slightly hinting that he might be the cause for any of the freaks that show up um, since he started. But at the same time, they're not shoving it in your face because, again, we're supposed to see him as the superhero, not as the cause of all this. Because Batman's supposed to be a cure, not the infection which is a line from a similar line from one of the comics that i can't pull from the top of my head but it was when someone was basically blaming batman for the rise uh for the joker and everyone and how he keeps putting them in arkham and it's just a revolving door and it's just his fault um let's see uh did you have anything off the top of your head um, yes, based off what you were saying, the, the last thing was that I think this movie did a really good job, uh, start to finish in the sense where, like, in the beginning of the movie, like, everyone's against them, Batman's, like, the vigilante, and everyone's mm -hmm. like, yo, like, Gordon, what the fuck are you doing? Like, how can you involve him? And then at the end, like, th well, throughout the movie, uh, as shit was hitting the fan and, and... The, especially like the cop because I think the one cop was involved the entire time his progression of like yo fuck this guy to oh, like yeah. okay let's maybe he's not that bad of a you know idea and then at the end he was just like yo Batman um <laughs> and you know one of one of the move, uh, videos we watched before this uh, said it uh, really well that he was baptized right so like uh when he fell into the water and he emerged and he just kind of took a look around him right after the guy said, I'm vengeance. You know, he, it kind of woke him up and he, and, and thinking of like, oh, okay, like I kind of had this wrong. Like the fear and everything is good, but the, my mission about what I'm doing is kind of wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think that reawakening with like the flare of like, I am, I am the point of, of, uh, like, Oh, I don't know how to, I don't know how to say what I want to say, but it's, it's kind of like, look at me, I am your savior kind of mm -hmm. thing almost, right? Like, I am the beacon of light, I am the beacon of hope. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I loved how he, how he kind of like pushed aside the cops to, to help out and, and he saved the kid first. And, uh, and then everyone else, right? Because we, you know, he kept an eye on the kid the entire time because um, it was literally like, you know, himself. Um, although it'd be really funny, like, this is no way gonna happen, but it'd be really funny if that little kid ended up being, like, a Robin. Yeah, um, yeah, I think that would have been a possible positive, no, because his mom's still alive. I yeah, was gonna no. say, it's, it's, it's not gonna happen. It'd just be funny if it, no, if it were. I was to. gonna say like he probably thought about it, but then I'm sure he would have been like, nah, I'm not, no, I don't, I don't think he has an idea of a Robin right now. Um, I don't know. I, I hope Robert was like, 
Well, eventually, I'm saying I'm saying that that version of Bruce Wayne doesn't even remotely have oh, no. a, a thought of having like a ward or anything like no, that. If anything, I can see it happening close to the end of the next movie. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Or in the middle of the next movie, depending on how they do it and how long they do that movie, they can write it in there. But it's not going to be at the beginning of it or anything like that. It's going to build in. What I told you after when we saw the movie, which I I wish kind of did, because based on the the trailer, did a good job of hiding things. Mm-hmm. Um, which actually, you know, it's funny. Uh, about halfway through the movie, because in the trailer they show them arresting the Riddler. Yeah. And like the movie was, and I hate looking at my watch to see what time it is, but I I, it's like I I need to know how much longer I have in the movie. But at the same time, that kind of ruins it because I'm like, because all of a sudden I start trading expectations. Yeah. But I looked and it was like about half hour left, 20 minutes left, and like, they still didn't arrest the Riddler. And I was just like, what is that, the last thing they do and it just ends? Like, um, but they did a really good job of arresting him and then transitioning to that last final action scene. Um, uh, shit, I forgot where I was going with that. Someone, uh, I seen an article, someone was saying, Batman was good until the end. And I don't remember exactly what they were disliking, but I want to say that I thought the ending was actually really good. I thought it was a great way to end a movie while also telling you there could be more. Yeah, it's not teasing another one. Mm -hmm. It's not like kind of open-ended, but yeah, it's not like, that's it. And I think people don't, people want every fucking thing to be concluded yeah. and it's just like bro sometimes you don't have to just write the end at the end of the story yeah and that and, well, and that's pretty much what it was um they did a really good job like cause you know the the narration in this film is the beginning and the end and we agree that there should have been kind of like a middle piece mm-hmm. um but it's essentially the di- diary log like that is uh this crime or, or this mission, whatever you want to call it, the chapter in, in his life, so to speak, was the Riddler. It took from, uh, I think it was Halloween, so October 31st until like November 6th. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what it was. It was a diary entry and then that's, that entry was started and then it ended and that's where it ended, right? It's not, a, it's not a concrete, it's just, if like, that's like if you were to read, his, open his diary and you and on page one, page you know forty nine, whatever, was October thirty first. Riddler showed up, yada 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 yada, and you just kept reading for the next five five entry days or six entry days, and then it just it ended, and then it's it's that particular thing is done, and then you go on to the next. Um, it'd be funny if this is actually us watching Bruce tell like Terry or somebody all of his old cases that would be funny because I just randomly thought about uh, the case file comics yeah and I was just like see you know what this is a journal so what if this is all just like a prequel and then at the end of like the third or fourth movie he's this just, is just how I met your mother yeah it's just at the end of it closing he's like and then you see it's like Neil Gotham and then Terry McGinnis there in the all black bat suit and he's just like damn Bruce Terry has his feet up and he's just like, man, you got some boring villains. <laughs> um, but yeah, on the, the narrating thing, I loved how it felt like a comic because whenever it narrates, it reminds you of the boxes inside of comics. So if anyone has never read a comic, 
Um, Which if you're listening to this, you definitely have. Yeah, I would hope so. Um, but if not, it is what it is. But they have narration boxes. <laughs> they have narration boxes in comics letting you know like things that are going on, internal monologues. Yeah, it's more of an internal monologue and like an inner thought. And that's what this was too. Because typically a, a narration in a film is helping you understand the plot of the film or the scenery of the film, right? And it's it's really directed towards you. Whereas in this narration was exactly that that comic butt aspect. It was it was an inner monologue. It was just him thinking, talking to himself. Yep. It's so not like he was trying to actually yeah, tell us anything. Yeah, you can literally pull that that narration away and it wouldn't affect the movie of how you understand the movie. There's certain movies where uh, where you, you know the narration's there for a purpose that's telling you, listen, there's been 5,000 years of war, blah blah blah, and yada yada yada, right? And without that context, you would you would be halfway through the movie going, what the fuck is happening? Mm -hmm. Where in this, like, you can literally just mute that narration and it'd be the exact same. Yep, I think the only thing it does is it adds, like, taking it away doesn't take anything away mm -hmm. except for the fact that it was there, so it added something. And yeah. by that, I mean, um. It lets you know how Bruce thinks of himself and Batman. Yeah. Like, when it came to the end, and he was doing the internal monologue of the vengeance thing, and now it lets you, like, if anything happened in the next movie, you a little bit understand why he may approach Batman differently. Yeah. But you might not need to, because we know every time they do superhero movies, the next ones, there's always a big change, and sometimes they don't explain it. But since they added it, it adds so much to understanding Bruce's mind yeah. even more. So I like that about it a lot. I hope that they do, like, because this is two years of him being in, right? I hope, like, the next movie, it's, like, it's another two years, three years down the road. It's not, like, a, a direct continuation. Because that's what also, like, where uh, Planet of the Apes was. Mm -hmm. It was, like, several years in between movies. I think my only issue with that... Um, there's three things that bring that make that an issue. Or issue or what I I have three responses to that. You're right. Um, one is depending on the HBO Max shows, the Arkham Asylum show and the um what was the other one? Um uh, well there's Batgirl, there's the Arkham, Batgirl, Arkham there's Penguin. Penguin, okay. So depending on the theme, like how this looks, depending on how those three look and when they take place, like the Penguin's supposed to take place directly after the Batman. So depending on the scenery of that and what they explore in that, the movie might have to as well. Nah, I don't think I don't I don't think so because uh, you can also like lean up to like what everyone's kind of speculating with the uh, Joker War or. Um, What's the other one? The 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 one that No Man's Land one. The one where the everything floods. Zero year. Zero year, right? Well, that's the other thing. Unless they explain, unless the, that show kind of keeps the explanation going that Gotham is still under martial law and um, the city is still not recovered. From yeah, the sh the shows have to do show. a little bit of explaining, but the movie itself, you can you can have the move the next movie be three years down the line and that's where Joker's involved but not a main character and mm -hmm. like the Riddler comes back and you know again you can have you can have another let's say Bane right because I believe 
Um, let's see. I don't. Was it in one of the comics where? Well, I, I think that's that's the kind of the part of the, the the villain of Bane where they they sell venom as a drug, right? Mm-hmm. So that could be like his next task. That there's a new drug on the market and he's fighting Bane and Bane's just like this big dude and he does take venom, but like like in in Batman where where he stabs himself with the adrenaline, um, where the venom is just like. Or yo, you remember that movie from Netflix, Power, with Jamie Foxx? Yes. You took the pill and you have a, you have a superpower for thirty minutes, right? So Venom could be that way, where you you stab yourself and you don't necessarily get bigger, but you're just like you're roided out, like yeah. you get stronger, uh, and you're just like you're you're fucking mad and you're pumped with like adrenaline, like because when he pumped himself and he was beating the shit out of that guy, imagine just that, like as the drug and like it's like a new rage drug and like then. Then you have, so like Bane is the the main character, and then you have aspects of the Riddler, mm-hmm. kind of like the video game, kind of in the background where he's noticing like you know he can be solving a clue and finding out he's like, oh like, this this seems a bit weird like, and he's kind of like trying to figure out, and at the very end we realize like, Riddler's involved planning something. Mm-hmm. And then there's little kind of sprinkles of the Joker where you find out, like, Joker, like, kind of like an end credit scene again where uh, the Joker and the Riddler are talking and they're, you know, they're like, hey, listen, our shit is slowly coming to plan. Where it's more of a Marvel Easter egg where, mm-hmm. like, teasing the next movie. Whereas, like, this end credit, which uh, Matt Reeves said himself, like, that end credit with the Joker wasn't to tease anything. It was just, like... An acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. This guy, it's, this guy exists. It's just a scene. It has nothing to do with anything, relatively like to the, the the plot of the movie. But it's just like a little extra little bonus of like this is in the reality. Yeah, like showing that Batman has been dealing with costume freaks. You can interpret it as Batman has been dealing with costume. Yeah, freaks yeah. Because someone put the Joker away, and there's a good chance it was Batman. Um, but although that basically is what that was, because I was, uh, as I was telling you in the car, um, there is the, there's a scene that they never made where Batman technically breaks into Arkham and he confronts the Joker. Yeah. Like, but he confronts him in a way that he's already met the Joker before, which he took out, he and, uh, which I understand. I forgot the reason why, but it was a... That's actually a perfect uh, uh, um, thing to what you're gonna finish that mm-hmm. um, that Batman breaking in and, and uh, interrogating Joker. So like my my idea of, of the next movie where it's like he he's Bane and then it, throughout the movie he's realizing there's like clues of the Joker, but he's like I mean uh, as the Riddler, but he's like hmm this almost seems like Joker esque, and mm-hmm. then he breaks in interrogates the Joker. He's like yo. You fucking with the Riddler? Like, what's going on? Yeah. And Riddler's just like, bro, I don't know what you're fucking talking about. I've been in this cell for the last five years because you put me in here. And then yeah. that's it. Like, you have one scene, then you pull away, and then you go back to Bane. Because he's like, yo, I got other shit to deal with. Um, that's really all I, uh, I just, I think it all just depends on the story he's going and how he touches on the the HBO stuff, because... Well, how they, not him, unfortunately. Well, hopefully, he gets a little bit of say, because they're all spinning out of his universe, mm-hmm. 
So hopefully they give him a little jurisdiction. He'll there. probably be I like an executive has... uh, producer, but yeah, not... that'll be fine because I know he has a little bit of idea in the the new Arkham one. Um, as far as I know, I know uh, that he has some sort of inkling in the Arkham show that was going to be the Gotham PD show, but isn't anymore. Mm-hmm. But again, depending on how these shows go. Um, I just hope that they fill in some gaps if he wants to do a movie two and the movie two skips years. Only because I want to see that zero year shit where the city is flooded. It can be flooded two years later. That's entirely possible. But if that's the case, either the, the movie could give us a monologue, you know, he could do the same thing. He was writing in his journal for the past two years, two or three years, and he's just reading some of that shit back to himself, aka us. Or they can use the HBO shows to just highlight, yes, city is still flooded and fucked up in most parts, but Penguin's using that to his advantage. Uh, Batman sort of kind of needing some help, and that's where Barbara Gordon comes in, although she doesn't actually ask Batman on the forefront. She kind of takes it into her own account first before ended up teaming up with him, which is also a possibility for Batman 2 if the Batgirl show does go ahead and it works out, we might see her in the next movie, and that could be the start of Batman getting wards, per se. Although, I know people will be upset with it because Robin comes first, but I can see them changing up the order of how he gets his help. I can see why uh, Batgirl would be, like in this universe, why Batgirl would uh, come before um... Robin, because it's Robin is like a different identity to Batman, mm-hmm. right? Batgirl is inspired by Batman, just yep. this girl version, right? Um, do we know if this Batgirl is Barbara Gordon? Yeah, it's supposed to still be Barbara. Okay, so then, um, so it's 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 more I would say realistic, but it, it's more understandable why they would introduce a Batgirl first because. Jim's been working with Batman, has a daughter, and then takes up this identity of a Bats person, opposed to a separate identity in the Bat family. Mm -hmm. Um, But you were saying that, you know, we were saying that uh, whether Matt uh, is involved in the other project, I quickly just looked at what he's directed. He also directed the original Cloverfield movie back in 08. Uh, I love and then he did Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and War of the Planet of the Apes, which okay. is so two and two three. Of... And then he wrote he wrote uh, War Planet of the Apes, mm-hmm. and then he wrote The Batman, um, which you can see a lot of similarities in in the um, uh, creativity aspect and like the directing between the two films. Uh, and he was the radio he acted in one of his films in Cloverfield as the radio announcer so fun fact Um, but um, yeah I don't don't know where I was kind of going with that I was just kind of saying little fun facts for us Um, I liked how they did although the the interactions weren't long and you didn't see too too much from it I still do like the uh, relationship that they hinted at us with him and Alfred I like how it started off rough which uh, uh, ba- Batman like and Bruce Alfred. and yeah, yeah Bruce and Alfred um, that's one of my other complaints is that I I here's the thing if I like an actor mm-hmm. I want I want to see him on the screen I, I understand that it makes sense 
Um, but I just like how, at least when they did give us them, they showed us Bruce Wayne is very self-centered right now. Yeah. Um, although he is trying to help other people, he's doing it in a very self-centered way. And he's not taking in the account of feelings from his father figure butler, who he actually told him is not my dad. Um, in this version... <laughs> not my dad! In this version, though, it's also cool because it's like um, Alfred was more of a drill instructor to him than he was a father figure anyway. So you can kind of see... I mean, you can... With that information, you can it's understand... more of a mentor than father figure. Yeah, you can understand why Bruce has this weird attitude towards um, Alfred sometimes. But towards the end of the relationship, as they grow more through the case that's happening, it changes a little bit. And he starts to think of Alfred more as the protector. Like, he, okay, Alfred really does care I think, about I think he, I think he realized it once he had... Because he even said that, like, he doesn't want to go through that fear again... Which is the fear mm-hmm. of losing someone. someone he loves. So that I think that's when he kind of threw, you know, because we don't really know the backstory. So what I'm gonna assume happened was Alfred had, because Alfred always had some military background, right? Yes, always. So parents die, he's going through some shit, and then Alfred only knows that kind of militaristic lifestyle. So he goes, all right, well, he clearly needs some structure in his life. So I'm going to just kind of teach him the basics, right? Like how to fight. Maybe he was bullied, right? His mm-hmm. parents died. So he's like, all right, well, I'm going to teach you how to fight, this and that. And because Bruce is so kind of hard-headed and like depressed, so to speak, he like pushes himself and pushes himself. And then and then uh, I'm assuming Alfred kind of got mad at him for that and would only kind of punish him in such a way. And it just got into that really like drill instructor kind of thing. And it just, it continued that way. And there wasn't really any an emotional kind of a love, uh, love aspect between kind of that father-son role. It was very like, you, I am the sergeant and you are, are the soldier. Mm-hmm. Uh, up until the point where, you know, he almost loses him and he kind of has that reflection of like, oh shit, like now he, he was helping me because he loves me. And like, I don't want to lose another loved one. Yeah. Uh, so I hope to see more of the relationship building in the next movie and more of Alfred helping out because that's the other thing. Alfred's also Penny One. And what I mean by that, if anyone who doesn't read Batman specifically, is Penny One is Alfred's code name and it's also when Alfred is helping out Batman 90% of the time. Sometimes he won't call him Alfred, he'll just call him Penny One and that's because they're actually doing a mission. He's asking him very specific things that are mission-oriented. He's in the Batcave actually feeding information to Batman. He's doing stuff. He's doing Batman stuff for Batman. Like, so I hope to see that in the future. I hope to see him in his ear comms a little bit or something. Just some sort of Alfred helping out with the mission. That, uh, that's, that's pretty much the biggest thing that I want from the Alfred relation- relationship. Personally, I have no connection to the actor that much, so like I feel like it was a perfect uh, amount. But I can I do see where they could have did more. I absolutely see where they could have done more. Yeah, I I just like the actor, and and I've always thought that a lot of besides him outside of Lord of the Rings, like a lot of the roles he had in these kind of bigger films, his character 
he always does the character very well, mm-hmm. and there's never like a lot of him in there, and you just, you just want more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I remember what I forgot earlier. But uh, so what I said to you after the movie was the way that the trailer cut it really made it seem where. Um, so based off also uh, the Dark Knight Returns the comic book, um, I thought so he Batman beats up the the Joker's in the beginning that that group, mm-hmm. um, and then as towards the end when uh, he finds out like the Riddler has like a, a cult following, and there's gonna be like an attack and there's gonna be a bunch of other Riddlers. Uh, based off the trailer and the flare, and there's one shot of that overhead when they're walking through the water of the flare and just a bunch of people following them, I thought those were all Jokers and that it was going to be like a Joker versus Riddler war, and he convinced all those like Joker bad guy, the, the little kind of, uh, um, I guess, little petty criminals to fight with them. Mm-hmm. Um I was wrong, uh, clearly, uh, and I liked how the movie did it, you know. So I, that's the thing, too. It's like the the trailer really didn't spoil anything, um, at least from what I saw, because I only saw, like, two trailers, and I really tried not to watch anything else. But hey, I think I only saw two. I seen a clip, but I didn't click on it, so yeah. I didn't know the context, and I'm happy that I did that, because it was actually the Jim Gordon getting punched in the face one. Oh, okay. And I'm so happy I didn't, because watching that in the scene, I mean, even though I knew he was going to get punched, watching it in the theater yeah. was just so much better with the context and shit. Yeah, the only, the only clip I saw was when um, the... DA drove through the funeral mm-hmm. but that clip alone was like there's no context there's not often so it yeah, wasn't half bad someone driving yeah um I also wanted to say that there's this book called Batman and Pos- the Imposter and I feel like um a lot of stuff from that book was very was represented here now, I'm not saying they read that book. I, I mean, I feel like a lot of books are made after or while the movies are... Like, once... I feel like someone's seen what they were doing and they took some things. Because in the book, Batman is a lot more aggressive. Batman is in a more realistic area. Probably even earlier in his career. Um, and I just feel like they, take, they took so many things from so many different comic books. It was just really, really cool. I love, I, I just fucking think it was written well, and I think every aspect of the comics that they took and twisted was done perfectly, and there's just not enough kind words I can say about this film. Also, I thought the twins were going to be Tweedledee and Tweedledum, and then I saw the twins, and then I was like, nah, they're just normal twins. Speaking of twins, I love that scene. How you were talking about when Batman kept going to the door. He went as Batman, then he went as Bruce, and then... Um, he snuck in the third time, yeah. which one of the guys we watched was saying how, like, that's how, like, the, the character traits of Batman. He he tries as Batman, he tries as Bruce Wayne, and then he, he hides the gray line of, like, you know, sneaking around, whether it's getting information, working with the police, and, like, this and that, but... Mm-hmm. I so there's the rule of uh, in in comedy there's the rule of three, where uh, you know you you callbacks and whatnot and, and typically you can do, you can do a bit three times and that's almost like the maximum amount you can do that bit where it's funny after that it's just kind of overplayed, and I thought that was really funny where, 
the first time he shows up, he's Batman, and they close the door, like, they open it, they're like, uh, they, and then they close it, they open it, and then it's the twins, and they're like, ha ha ha, and they think they can take the fucking Batman, which is, I always love that, uh, and they get their ass kicked, of course, and he, and he brute force weighs in. Second time, he's Bruce Wayne, and he's like, I want to see Falcone, and they close the door, and they reopen it, and he's like, yo, see, I told you, like, it's Bruce Wayne, and then they let him in. And then the third time, they just open the door, and, like, he's not, no one's there, and he, like, you know, sneaks in. But, um, uh, what I was going to say, I wish I, hold on, let me check my notes real quick, because mm-hmm. I did write this down, because I didn't want to forget. Um, two aspects uh, I really like about this movie. So, one, um, and because I do a lot of deep dives into acting, and I watch a lot of, like, behind the scenes, uh, and, and interviews with actors, and, um, and their approaches. Um, what I love about like an actor like Tom Hardy, um, he acts with his eyes very well, whether mm-hmm. it's uh, emotions or, um, uh, which I guess it's only really emotions, but uh, there, there is a really good physical trait about acting with your eyes. Um, and even Christopher Nolan was saying that Tom Hardy does a really good job with that, and that's why it would bane even though he has his whole face covered, all you can see is with eyes, and you can, like, he was able to, to kind of portray such terror uh, through his eyes. And what was good about this Batman and, and this depiction of Batman, because he's only year two in it, mm-hmm. that, um, you know, he makes mistakes, and when he's fighting and whatnot, you can see, like, he gets beat up, he's, he's not perfect, he's not blocking everything, he's not a mind reader, he can see where punches are coming from. Um, and there were several times in the movie where he, through his eye expressions, you were you were able to see like, oh, I made a mistake, or like him confused, and like you know, it, it wasn't because in physical act, sometimes in acting, it's not about how dramatic you can be, and it's like there's there's a, there's a really good like a good actor can be subtle and yet make a really big difference. Um, and I think, I don't know if you caught it, but there was a lot of times where his eye expressions would open up or kind of like, you know, react differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was a really good job. It was done well during the, uh, the bomb scene, actually. Which yeah. I'm about to get back to, uh, but finish your point. Uh, the, the other thing I was going to say, which, um, feel free to tag along to is that I think this movie did a really good job of making us interested and care for the villains. So obviously joke, um... Uh, uh, Riddler was number one, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you almost you were you were doing your own thinking about like the Riddler's mission and what he's about, and like yep. he's not just like a, a, a bad guy um, where you're just like okay, like you're you're just watching him and you, and you and you want the good guy to beat him up, like you're you're invested in the 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 bad guy. Okay, why is he doing yeah, this? Like, what what's really motivating him to do that? And all of a sudden, you find out like. He was an orphan, this and that, this is the involvement, and it all ties together, and yada, 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 and there's a whole, like, psychological thing about that. Uh, so you have the Riddler, um, Penguin. I loved this rendition of the Penguin in the sense where the only other really, outside the video games, uh, the only uh, other Penguin we, version we have is Gotham. And in that version of Gotham, he's he's constantly trying to be number one, and it doesn't matter what he does, like, he'll... He'll take down the number one to become the number one, and like 
you know, he's a squirmy little little fish and, and this and that, and, and he doesn't care about anyone except himself. Whereas this one, it's really cool because, like, you know, the Falcone being like, like a mafia mob, like, Penguin knows his role. He even said, like, oh, I'm just, I'm the right-hand guy, I'm the number one. And that's, that's his job, that's his role, and that's what he was doing, right? Like, he had his club, he knew his job, he knew his role, and, and he went with that when he was interrogated, and, you know, he was... He was bobbing and weaving through the questions and, and when they were showing him the photos and he was like, you know, he's like, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, what are you showing me that for? You know what I mean? Um, and and he, he did his role and he wasn't trying to overtake Falcone. Mm -hmm. There's, I think there's, um, uh, what was it, at the funeral where Bruce was walking up to Falcone and even Penguin stopped him. Yeah. He's like, yo, what the fuck? Like, why are you stepping on my man? So, um, and, and that's his role. He knows, like, I'm his right man. Like, I'm not his bodyguard. But if someone steps up, like, I'm, I'm going to react. Um, so I think he did a really good job. And, and I liked how uh, Colin Farrell was, uh, by the way, the, the prosthetics were really good. Um, I, I, it does annoy me that everyone's like, oh, I didn't know it was him. Well, it's, it, if you even remotely care about the movie, you know he's cast as him, so it's not like, oh. But the prosthetics were done very well, um, and I, I like his, his, his acting and, and his interpretation of the Penguin of mm -hmm. just being like a gangster, and that's, and that's what it was. It was just like kind of like a, a city gangster. He's not really Italian. He's not really something, but he's just like kind of like a, like a city like a city mob guy. So really good on that. Um, Catwoman, you know, like she's not technically a villain, but uh, you you care about her and and you try to understand her. Um, so yeah, just in general, I think I think the I, I think every character. There's not a single character where I just I didn't not give a fuck about yep whether Absolutely. it's the, the the first dead politician the, the literally every character that was involved i want to know how they were connected yeah like to, what what i was invested in their justice yeah. as well yeah like i was invested in figuring out what the hell was the reason for him targeting the people he was targeting like he was just saying lies and stuff but like everything just went deeper and deeper the further we went and the more chaos he created but I also was invested in them getting the justice that they deserved or didn't deserve, as Batman kind of pointed out a little bit. You know what I really appreciate about this movie as well, and I'm just realizing? The amount of good actors and, like, like Oscar, Golden Globe nominated or winners in this movie that they, they didn't have to be on the front. Mm -hmm. Like, the guy who played Falcone... Falcone, whatever his name is, right? Um, he's like a well-known, not a well-known guy, but he's not well-known to be like kind of like a, a leading character. Mm -hmm. Like he's from the Transformer movies. He was funny in that. He was in kind of like the you know the Big Lebowski and a couple other movies where it's like you know he's a good actor, but he's not like not a main villain mob guy. But he did a great job in that. Colin Farrell, who is way more internationally known. A way more superior kind of A-list celebrity took kind of a backseat role mm -hmm. and wasn't like he was there when he needed to be and wasn't there when he didn't have to be. So I think that was done really well. Andy Serkis, who played Alfred, as much as I love to see him more on screen, when he was on screen, his role wasn't 
oh, I'm Alfred, you know, it wasn't, hey, like, I'm, I'm an A-lister, kind yeah. of like, I'm a great actor, let me, let me act, it was just him doing, like, the role was do this, and that's what they did, so I think this movie did a really good job of, of just kind of uh, humbling all the characters, mm-hmm. like, if you're important, you're gonna be important, yep. if you're, if you're uh, a back role character, you're a back role character, you know, and, and if you have... 30 seconds on the scene, I don't give a fuck if you're Meryl Streep or Bad Brad Pitt or nobody, that's your scene, act your scene, don't act above it, don't act under it, that's what it is. So and everybody killed every second that they were in it. They should... Even even that cop, even the cop mm-hmm. that, that uh, in the, the one beginning. that only makes the uh, remarks and shit? Yeah, 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 he's like, fuck you in the beginning and at the end, you know, and and again, and, and I, we were talking about this earlier, but unfortunately it wasn't recording, but... Like how funny Batman really is without even trying to be funny. Of he's trying to solve that the the crime scene and he's touching stuff. He's gay like, hey, man. I don't think you should be touching. He's like I don't give a fuck. And just like moving shit. And he's like has a flashlight and the guy's talking and he and he like kind of shines it on him as if to say, hey bud, shut the fuck up. But then he's like still investigating. So as a as a viewer, it was really funny. And then on top of that, like. And then the dude says something about the the murder weapon, and then Batman looks at him, but he doesn't look at him as if he's telling him to say more. Yeah. But he is telling him to say more. He just keeps the Batman face on. Yeah, yeah. And it's cra- It's funny because the guy understands. He's like, is he like? Normally you would look at him and you'd be like, is he telling me to shut up or should I keep going? But yeah. the dude, he kind of understood that Batman actually was inquiring. Yeah. But he didn't say anything. Straightest face ever. And then the dude's just like, you know, for picking up rugs. Yeah. And then, like, it's just really cool. I don't know if he did it on purpose or if he understood the character enough to do that. But it was really nice how he did that and how he didn't try and turn him into, like, a funny guy. Because that's what people apparently want. I swear everyone's trolling, but apparently people want Batman to be hilarious. And I think they're just like, I think the only Batman they watch is Adam West. <laughs> Not even, I don't know. It's, well, the, no, there's there's really no a, a aspect of Batman that's like been really funny besides like the Lego movie. Yeah, and like, I mean, if you look at the Kick Pow Poom comics, like way back then when it was super colorful, even for Batman, like, all right, I can see the comedy in the way it's written, and they did throw, like, shitty jokes in there for, like, the 70s Batmans, and, um, 70s or 80s, but, um, like, still, Batman was Batman. He was still Vengeance. He was just silly colored Vengeance, but when they, after, I think that was the golden era, I might be wrong on that, but after that era, everything after that, Batman has just been darky Batman. Like, yeah, his joke, anything he jokes is very straight-faced of a joke. Um, so, like, I don't know why people, like, it was fucking great, bro. There was no need for him to, to be, need to be funny or anything. Also love, I don't know if I said it already, but I just love the detective angle. Like, I love that they took that aspect. Batman is the world's greatest detective, and he's not in this movie, but he's a damn good one, and he's working towards being the world's greatest detective, through this movie you can see that as you can see though he isn't because he didn't figure out that last part until the dude told him that it was used for carpets mm-hmm. like if batman was the world's greatest detective already he would have been figured that out he'd been like yeah that's used for carpets but also it's like well, I, I, i'm rich as well here's the thing well i think that's the point too right where he he realized like 
he didn't know that because he's rich, right? Yeah, because yeah. of the manual labor and all of that. I think all the, you know, he can figure out all the psycho- psychological aspects of, of being a detective that way of, like, you know, why they want to do this and that, but then, like, it's it's so small. But even that, right, like, when they were trying to figure out, like, the wingless bat or, or uh, whatever, whatever, El Rata, oh, yeah. you know, they they were, like... They kept thinking it was a, a penguin, yeah, maybe like, a like bat. Yeah, like a birded rat, whatever it translates to, right? And they were, like, well, it could be this. And then they were, like, no, 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 no. It's, like, well, it's clearly that. And then, you know, Colin Farrell was, even Colin Farrell was like, bro, you don't know Spanish? Like, the peng- for the Penguin to be like, bro, you don't know Spanish? Like, is, is pretty funny. funny. Bruce knows, like, 78 languages. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, you know, they, they would go through that. Would I, what? No, I, I've already lost it. Um, before I lose it, mm-hmm. I love how Batman loses. Oh, that's what, uh, I found this, I found the article that I was talking about earlier. But before I get to the article, I love how Batman can't win everything. He lost four people in that movie. We lost three political people and the girl. Which girl? Um, Selena's friend. He couldn't save her. Yeah, but she was. Uh, she didn't. He couldn't save her. Oh wait, I, I'm now I'm, I'm trying to remember because uh, they. He caught Selena, and then they were like, "All right, let's go back to go get her." Mm-hmm. And then Falcon already took her. Yeah. Yeah, it's so like Batman couldn't, like Batman can't save everybody. And yeah. I like how they how they hinged on that because a lot of people died in this movie when he was trying to save people. Yeah. And I love how they remind us this. Like he's not Superman, and even Superman fails too. But Batman fails harder because he's human, and that's something that also Batman. Um, there was a point in recent comics where Batman kind of hinged on that, um, or maybe it was at the end of Scott's run, but he was talking about basically how he knows he can't save everybody. He tries goddamn hard to do it, but at the end of the day, he knows he can't, and I love that aspect of him, like him understanding that, and I love that, that of them showing us, like, yeah, Batman can't save everybody. That's fucking great, but the dude that I was talking about earlier... He, he was saying the title his name's oh sorry forgive me I did I thought it was whatever uh, Jennifer they say that uh, the Batman is a brilliant except for the ending okay so they say blah 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 blah, blah the problem I'll read a little I'll read a couple of things from a couple of paragraphs but before we get to that, blah, blah, blah. the ending of the Batman created another opportunity for the exhilarating Darth Vader's Imperial March style theme music to crash over our ears. It saw Zoe, um, Zoe Kravitz's uh, grounded version of Catwoman and Batman finally become partners as they fought for their lives. The problem, their lives were never really in any danger. There was zero sense of peril. Once the Riddler was out of the picture, locked up in jail, it came down to his internet friends to assassinate newly elected mayor Bella Real, Real, yet by the time Batman arrived to prevent this from happening, she'd already been shot. It wasn't fatal, she was pretty quickly found the strength to wade through a lagoon of filthy water, but her survival is just another reason why the Batman's ending suffered from low stakes. Now, she has uh, two, another reason, but we're going to talk on that one real quick. 
which is I feel like the stakes were pretty fucking high. That's what I that's what I was actually gonna I was gonna read this first and I was gonna get to the fact that Bruce lost four fucking people. Yes, the mayor didn't die, but the Riddler did fucking damage. That man couldn't save four people, four or bombs went uh, off across the entire city and it flooded. I'm sure unaccounted for people died in that explosion and other stuff. There was danger not for Batman's life, life, but for Batman's ego and his mission. So I think that this person who wrote this article didn't view it that way, which is weird because like the whole thing the movie does is just keeps raising the stakes. And of course, she gets injured and not doesn't die. Like it was just a bunch of internet friends. I'm sure no one coordinated. Yo, who's the best sniper in here? Although they probably should have. And shot. I'm sure it was just one of the people. They were just like, all right, sniper rifle. We're gonna shoot the mayor for the Riddler. So I think I think that is a bad take in my opinion, because again, I feel like. I think the uh, I think that would be a little more valid if it wasn't intense. I think you know, up until the point she got shot, and then it, it got pretty intense, and and you know he was saving her because at at that point you know they weren't focusing on uh, they weren't focusing on the the crowd. They were focusing on Batman, but then like the water was coming in, so the damage was already done, so to speak, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and at that point, you know, they were they weren't really concerned about like, I, I think the mission also could have been for them to just also given the opportunity to like destroy the Batman. What I will give her on that is yes, the mayor was shot. That was like oh shit, is she gonna make it? And then you kind of forget about her. And then the next you see her, she's trapped and she's like yeah, seems no, okay. Really so it's this just is like. Very true. So I do understand on that aspect that it was just like, it's not like, you know, she was, they were, she was captured and, and people were trying to help her and get out. Nah, she was just like, they literally helped her out and, and she walked by herself. It's not like she was being carried. It's not, she was like, ah, I got a bullet in me. She was just like, I mean, they, like in the moment of her getting shot, right. It got intense. Shit popped off, yeah, cool, right? So it wasn't it was important. But, uh, and then everything calmed down, and then, so I can kind of see where there was no real, like, again, when Batman was dang there with a shotgun to his head, like, for, a, for, for me, for a split second, I was like, oh, shit, like, shit is about to get real. And I was like, nah, it's not going to happen. Because you know either, either Gordon was going to shoot him, or Kyle, Kyle was going to, Selena was going to come in, in in some way and save him, so... Um, but what I do like about the like what you're saying about the Riddler and and the damage, you know, for him it wasn't about killing people. For him it was disrupting the system, mm -hmm. which he did. Right, like the politicians of and because uh, technically three people were he killed three people, which were uh, the DA, the 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 uh, running mayor, and the cop. Yep. Right, the commissioner, I believe. Uh, the the other chick Falcone did that, so it's not him, right? But his thing wasn't he wasn't killing people just to kill people. Those were messages uh, in the they were essentially a part a brick 
part of the wall that was like this corruption and him exploding the the vans was tearing down that wall and the infrastructure of of you know the, the corruption and washing it away and restarting so um, I think as a villain plan it was done pretty well right because it wasn't like the in the dark night uh, the Joker was doing what he was doing, especially with those two bombs, based off his belief that all people are bad, and and mm-hmm. when given the chance, everyone is selfish, and they'll they'll choose the wrong decision to save themselves, and in a selfish aspect. But then Batman was like, no, like people, there's faith and and whatnot, right? So so uh, the Joker was going off on his belief, whether uh, whereas uh, the Riddler in this movie was like, no, th- I think this is wrong. This is what's happening, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna fix it. Mm-hmm. And he did. Yep. To his, his to his, way, his and, and yeah, in in his degree. Um, the other thing that they say is uh, Gotham City had already been flooded by the Riddler's bombs. Batman could only help by rescuing civilians from drowning in the deluge. Sure, that says deluge, but I don't know where we're looking. Oh, anyway, so uh, probably uh, saving him in, in in the in the water and whatnot. Batman didn't know Catwoman would be at the mayor's address, so he wasn't racing to rescue her either. The only stakes Batman preventing further damage. Uh, one pivotal moment stands from the. You know, I I think so. To the point being, right, it's. What he was kind of saying in his in his monologue, because the monologue almost went past what they were showing, because they were showing him helping. Uh, you know, people were flooded. They're on the rooftop of where that presidential campaign, or not presidential, but the mayor, mayoral, mayor, whatever, where the political uh, thing was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're on the they're on the rooftop dome, and he was helping them. You know, uh, getting them out the water and and helicoptering them out. But the narration was saying how because of the martial law, like crime is still going, and that's what essentially that what he, that's what he's helping in, which I agree with, right? Because when there's martial law, and essentially the cops have to focus so much on kind of humanitarian involvement of rescuing people and sort of preventing crime, crime goes up, and that's where Batman comes in, right? Mm-hmm. Just because the police are occupied doesn't mean the the crime will stop. Very true. So. Uh, whoever wrote that can go fuck himself. I actually also like, um, alright, so depending on how you look at it, I feel like they were hinting at, I mean, I feel like at first they hinted, and then after they said, I mean, if you want to think that, but there's a dude who pops up at a funeral, and he gives off Joe Chill vibes. Yo, oh yeah, I think I said that to you, right? Yeah, you I was, did. and I was thinking the same thing. I was just like the way he was talking, and then he was talking about, I, again, certain things slipped my mind because like I, it was just so much to take in. But I think he mentioned something about a murder or so, a running up on someone. I don't know if it was something he did or something that happened to someone he knows. But he made a ref- he made a reference to that. And that made me think more of, um, more of, a. uh, that made me think, um, more of, oh, is that Joe Chill? And then at the end, I kind of still had the thought, but at the same time, I was like, nah, but it would be crazy if he 
well, if he answered, who are you? And he was like, I'm nobody. Like, I'm just Joe Chill or some shit like that. I'm happy he didn't. But it would have been funny if that's what he did and Batman didn't know the name. And then come to find out later, he finds out, oh shit, the dude back then was Joe Chill or some shit like that. I thought he was actually going to realize that that dude that he beat up at the end was at least the dude from the funeral. I think he did, but they didn't do it in the way that I thought they were going to do it. Because the dude who shot him with the shotgun where he beat him and took the yeah. mask off, that was the... Oh, was it? I, I think it was. I could be wrong, but it looked like the exact same dude. Only difference is he looked like he had a Band-Aid on his nose. Uh... But, I, you know, if it was Joe Chu, but even Joe Chill, but regardless, right, because he was just kind of ranting, and it's just like, and he was kind of ranting to himself, and Bruce just happened to be there, like, who just does that? Like, it wasn't like he was kind of, like, talking to himself, like, oh, you know, it's a shame, like, yeah. you know, he wasn't talking about the funeral, like, he was saying some, like, pretty fucked up shit, where, like, if you were just, like, a bystander, you'd be like, yo, this guy is gonna shoot up the place, so. Um, I mean, mostly... The rest of anything that I have to say is just I love the, the little Easter eggs like Catwoman giving Falcone a scratch, um, which he gets in the long Halloween. Do you notice how her chain was, or her uh, whip was a chain, bike chain? Oh, I did It wasn't an actual that. whip. It was, it was like, yeah, uh, it was the, a bike chain, which one of the videos we were showing, uh, we watched earlier uh, in the comic book, she actually had a metal bike chain. So that was interesting to see her with, with that. Because I think that's more realistic of a weapon than, like, a whip. Like, mm -hmm. who the fuck has just, like, a whip? So, yeah, it works perfect for comics because you can make a whip do what you want there, but a bike chain got some hurt to it. More hurt yeah, than a whip. And a whip got a stink. A bike chain gonna fuck a nigga up. And, and again, it's, it's realistic because of the fact that she has the motorcycle. So, like, let's assume she's a crafty woman. She knows mm -hmm. how to work on her bike, and she, like, has chains laying around. So she was like, yo, I'm gonna use this to fuck up some people. No, that's valid. Um, and another thing is, if you guys have never read Batman, um, Year Zero, was it, uh, that, dark, well, it's by Scott Snyder, it's either Zero Year, I think it's Zero Year, Batman Zero Year, or Year Zero, it's one of those, it's, um, where Riddler ended up, well, the city got flooded. It's actually, I think it was a combination of something the Joker recently did, and the Riddler did it, and, like, Riddler just starts, like, fucking everything up, he was leaving all his riddles there, so the, I just love that little hint of comic at the end, and then the whole martial law thing going into a possibility of no man's land, like this fucking movie was just absolutely great, and I thought the Zorro comment was fucking hilarious too, that Falcone made, um, when Bat and Gordon popped up, he said, who the fuck are you, uh, Zorro's, uh, apprentice or some shit yeah, like yeah. that? And I was like, ah, there we go. Fucking Zorro, uh, a Zorro joke. No, I have a lot of, you know, compliments for the movie. Love, love the... I, I think the the suit was great. Uh, clearly, it's it's kind of handmade-esque, like, especially that leather, the, the helmet being leather. Mm -hmm. I love the Batmobile that it's, you know, he, he has a car for, like, power and and. Fear, not really practical, like armor wise. It's just like, I need to go fast. I need to go through some shit. Here it is. Like, you know, it's a jet powered muscle car, which is awesome. Um, and I think, uh, auto, audio wise, whether it was real or not, I think that that car sounded phenomenal. Bro, that car um, is crazy beautiful. 
yeah i you know i shot absolutely gorgeous we saw it in imax so it was it was it was fantastic um yeah not really not a lot of like i you know me any criticism i have is super nitpicky but i would say as a general like bystander like it is it's honestly it's, it is a great film yeah big facts any uh i'll let you go first because i'm sure i would say the same thing as you but i have a backup any favorite scene oh uh, you know i was actually gonna ask you that uh the car scene obviously mm -hmm. so when he first starts up the car and he's revving it and everything because I'm, I'm a car guy. So for me, it was just, uh, I, I just, I love the, the, the noise of it and everything. But I would honestly say, um, favorite scene, favorite scene. It's, it's that final piece when he comes through. Through the window after through the it, it Yeah, it explodes. He drops down. He's fighting everyone. And again, because it's not like OP where like he's just taking out everyone like he's. He's, he's tactical with it, too, and he's creative, and he, even though he fucking put a grappling hook between people's fucking legs. Um, he shot grappling hooks in people's assholes. <laughs> um, you know, he was, he, was getting, he was getting hit, he was falling and whatnot, and um, I, would, I would say that scene of, of him coming down, because it, it, it was just total Batman. Um, yeah. For me, it's the highway scene, like the whole entire highway yeah. scene is... Start, start to finish. When he, once he gets in the car, it's revving ups. until him walking up to the penguin. God, the walk up to the penguin. Bro, that's when I was saying to myself, I would shit myself. If I was a fucking thug in Gotham City yeah. and a Batman walked up to me yeah. like that, bro, yeah. I'd fucking perish. But on top of that, I would have to say um, the other two. I have to say two would be the fight scene when he first enters the club because it's just funny like the way he gets in the club tries to do it the nice way now he's fighting his way through just beating everyone's ass but he still gets a little bit of a kickback uh all that fighting was just really good like and something you brought up earlier it wasn't a lot of cuts they did a lot of no we're gonna stand here and we're gonna watch him fight with the camera. Yeah, it, it's 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 good because like like I said like uh, a good act and a good action and movie and like karate. That's what like uh, some of the Marvel movies like uh, I know uh, Civil War has this issue. They're, they it's very choppy. They because mm -hmm. uh, like again so I watch um, uh, a Corridor Crew or Corridor Digital on on YouTube and if you haven't watched them, absolutely check them out. They're phenomenal. They do. Uh, um, like um, re they have a react series where it's like uh, FX artists react, uh, stuntmen react, react. Uh, the stuntmen reacts uh, is phenomenal. They'll break down action scenes and like what makes a good action scene and like how an action scene supposed to be told. Um, and you know an action scene is really a story of of how it's fighting. Um, and you know whether it's style or whatnot. And so what this movie, I was kind of nitpicking some of the fighting scenes but what happens is when he's fighting one person it stays on that one person and then it cuts to a different angle mm -hmm. of him attacking somebody else so it's not like one punch other angle second yeah. punch other angle third punch on, on the same that, guy i like how it's zoomed out a lot yeah like it's it's it's, it's you see the whole thing that. it's not just like shoulder and head yep and, and I love that because that also lends credence to these actors because they're taking either the fake hits or yeah. they're doing good Krav Maga type styles 
because now since we see your whole body, we gotta see a fake connect. You know, like when they do a close up, they can play it off with the cuts and shit like that. And but realistically, the way he directs, you can't play it off with the cuts like that. And realistically, the, the this kind of movie allows you to do a longer shot because of the costumes. You can have the stunt double. You mm -hmm. won't see that it's not the actor. Yep. So they they can they can actually make contact with one another or the closest contact if possible. Yep. Uh, and you you're allowed to have kind of an extended scene. I do understand that sometimes when you edit and change the angles, it makes it a little more uh, exciting, um, especially for like a Batman character. But um, I'm not gonna lie. I think it's more exciting when they try to one shot it as close as possible because even daredevil does that i think it has a lot yeah of the hallway where, scene like a yeah, one shot like, it, it really shows the intensity of it um because i just feel like every time it cuts when they do the fight scenes and they do cut scenes like cutting scenes mm -hmm. i feel like it actually takes my attention away a little bit like I, I, my one of my favorite scenes in the world and all of movie is bucky and cat versus um iron man because that shot was zoomed out and the way oh, that they were fighting and, him, in like Germany way. or whatever, it's, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and then like it's just them just brawling against him and they're yeah. not doing too many cuts. And I just love it because of I just love it because of that. Like well, I Dare, think that's better than what you brought up Daredevil mm -hmm. does that really well in season one I well there's I guess only two season seasons, one, right? There's three seasons. Season one was the one with the the hallway. hallway fight, What's the stairwell them? one? That's that two. two yeah. Do they have one in three? Uh, I think, I think they just have like a him and Frank Castle thing in three. I can't mm. remember exactly. Bullseye's three. Damn, I need to rewatch. No, no you need to Bullseye. finish it. It's um, not Bullseye. It's a uh, Point Dexter, I think. Which is Bullseye? No, Bullseye is a different character. Bullseye is the guy who doesn't miss. Point Dexter was the one who had, um. I, I guess I would no, say... No, he's Bullseye. No. Point Dexter's Bullseye. Oh. In in, in season three, mm. they call him Bullseye because he doesn't miss. You're right. Like, I'm... he's he's Point Dexter, yeah. You're right. I know, him No, I'm just saying, like, yes, you are right. <laughs> just him fucking uh, in the Daredevil suit. Because he, he, he picks up a Daredevil persona, but, he, yeah. but he's, yeah, but he's, like, that's their version like of, that, of Bullseye, yeah. yeah. That is very true. Um, but the other scene was reminiscent of the hallway scene was him in the uh, him in the hallway with the guns, the one that you don't like because they're just shooting machine guns. I just love the way oh, the fucking yeah. shot. No, no, shot that it. It was, was no. Listen, I love, spooky, I love, bro. I love the scene because it's dark and you only see him when he's getting shot at from the light from the gun. So I absolutely love the the scene. I just think that it's his suit in that scene is a little overpowered. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I also, I would say my favorite, uh, top three favorite scene is um, the police one, where Gordon tells him, like, listen, you're going to hit me, you're going to get out, we're going to, you know, go through this door, and he punches him, and he runs out, or not even that, actually from the beginning, when he wakes up, mm -hmm. when he wakes up and just starts fighting the other cops, and everyone's like, whoa, 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 and like, you're like everyone's trying to disperse, but he has to kick his ass, and then like the cop touches him, and he like beats that guy's ass, and then... Once then Gordon tells him, right, you're going to run out. And then, like, you know, he he uh, grapples to the top and then he and then he skydives, which I love that scene, that his cape, he hasn't figured out everything yet. And, like, 
Buddy's thought like, hey, this this might I need like a plan B if I ever need to get out of a situation. So he has a squirrel suit, and then it finishes perfectly in that comedic tone of. You can tell he it's, he hasn't really done this before. He's might have done it once or twice in testing, uh, and he's you know he's struggling to fly. And then he does the he pulls the the parachute and it gets caught. And then he hits the bus. Then he yeah. falls and he kind of limps away before anyone catches him. So that that whole sequence. Uh, so I would say it's car scene, uh, police scene, and then final entry scene. Yeah, for me it'd be a. Uh... Car scene, in that order that I said it too. Car scene, it would be the first fight in the Iceberg Lounge, and then that hallway fight leading to um, him stopping Cat, I mean, saving Catwoman. But, um, yeah, that's that's it. Go fucking watch the Batman in IMAX, preferably, if you can. Or whatever is your, your high theater shit that you guys got, but fucking watch that shit. Alright, man. It was nice having you back potting and shit. Fun being back. Absolutely. And I hope you guys enjoyed that little surprise in the segment. On to the normal shit.